The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. December 11th, 2023, I am at Joel Pearl, and it's time to get in the weeds on a wonderful Monday morning for y'all. It's been a busy one. It's been a good weekend. It's been a crazy weekend. Jeremy Lambert is here. The balloons are here. Everyone's here. Jeremy, how are you feeling? I'm well. It is It is Monday. It is December 11th, as you just said, Joel. Thank you for that. <laughs> it was a long weekend. I know you had a long weekend as well you're at the last impact wrestling pay-per-view ever there's never gonna be another impact wrestling pay-per-view joel that's true and you know what it was it was a good experience i i kind of i i gave a few thoughts and i'll give a few more here but uh you know my general takeaways was like the show was fun they had a, a smaller room than normal because they used the don Koloff arena which is uh it's it's Battle Arts Academy, which is a training uh, wrestling MMA and, and boxing school in Mississauga, which is, a, is about 45 minutes from me. And Don Koloff Arena is basically when they convert it into a, an event space, set up some bleachers and chairs like you saw on the show if you watched. Uh, and, and the reason they ran it was because it's Santino's gym. It, it is it's Anthony Corelli's owned and operated gym, one of... He's, he's one of the owners. So they get a sweetheart deal. They've done a bunch of shows there. Destiny Wrestling, which is a local promotion, they run there. Uh, so it made sense because of the rebrand and the reports that came out months ago that, you know, Impact was going to scale back a bit leading into the rebrand. That's why IPWF was running there. That's why Final Resolution ran there and not at Rebel Nightclub. It, it just, it made sense. But they made the most out of the space they had. They did legitimately sell out, by the way, because when I saw the, oh, we're sold out, I was like, come on are you really because there's no buzz here like it's just a bunch of matches and zsjs on the card which is great it's just it was just matches for matches sake no no it was legitimately sold out to the point where like people were coming in it was standing room only they they brought out more chairs which was funny because they were bringing out like wrestlemania souvenir chairs for people to sit on (laughs) and at one point um george iceman who we we talk about on our on our post impact show on the main channel. Uh, he, he is part of our lore because he does the BTI stuff and uh, he was helping out because he's like the Canadian um, like tour manager for impact right now. So he comes over to me he's like, Oh, over there in the bleachers, there's like a big, a big empty spot. Two people, you know, who had seats aren't coming. So do you want to go and sit over there? And I was like, George, I'd rather you give those seats to people who, who paid because impact is very, uh, very kind to me and very kind to uh, to media who come around to let them into these shows. So I can stand. I'm wearing comfortable shoes. I like standing. I sit for a lot of my work and uh, and I stood. And then they put me behind commentary because it was just a better area for me to be in. I was mostly off camera. I'll tell you a story offline that was very funny about people seeing me who uh, who, who weren't there but spotted me in the crowd and sent me some funny DMs out of that. But uh, yeah, the show itself was a lot of fun. There were some there were some moments. The uh, Trent Seven signing was obviously the big takeaway and unexpected. Um, when they announced it was a tag match, 
I personally wasn't surprised to see Trent Seven because he had just worked the mystery wrestling uh, show in Gatineau, Quebec, which is which is basically Ottawa, which is like a four or five hour drive. This Impact show was very much either you work for the company and you're local, you're a champion or you're a tentpole member of the roster and you don't have any other gigs elsewhere this weekend. So come and work. So it didn't shock me. Or you're Zack Sabre Jr. Or you're Zack Sabre Jr. Or you're a producer because Diener hadn't been on the show since like Impact 1000. And when they announced, I was just like, oh yeah, no, they're running like a real bare bones show over here. And that's great. So uh, anyway, long story short, uh, when Trent came out, I was like, oh yeah, this makes sense. And then when Scott came out, I was like, oh, they signed him because that is the the Don Kolov special for the last few rounds is Scott comes out. It happened years ago when they signed uh, Josh Alexander in the ring at Don Kolov on Scott's back. And then when Speedball got signed, he had just had a match with Josh Alexander. Scott came out. Speedball signed it on the back of Josh Alexander. And then they continued it this time. Trent Seven on the back of speedball mike bailey signed the contract it, it's the impact uh human contract centipede that they can yeah. see playing. so it was fun it was nice i like the reveal with the towel that they did uh scott comes out and talks about like the most marketable uh stuff that that trend seven ever did which has come out with the towel and he flashes the towel and to the camera and then he says a few more words and then he kind of pulls the towel down a little bit and it has the tna logo stitched on it i thought that was a great reveal and it teased everyone scott's a very good storyteller i have to say this scott demore is not just in the product uh, of impact that, that there's a lot of really strong stuff but like when he goes to the ring and he speaks most of the time he's got a really interesting uh story to tell and good promo deliver delivery so it was good. The show itself was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it, I really do recommend that people go back and watch it. It is the last Impact show. There's a very funny moment when they cut away to uh, announce different parts of the card for uh, Hard to Kill and the Snake Eyes pay-per-view. They go to a, a commentary shot and I'm very clearly in the shot and I very clearly walk out of the camera range because I did not want to be seen. <laughs> and you just see me put my head down. Wow. And- <laughs> Joel Joel wants nothing to do with impact decides to walk out unprofessionally and unsummarily that's the word right summarily the, it's just summarily and unprofessional oh, whatever uh from the impact pay-per-view does not want to be associated with impact wrestling it's not wow. like you see me in every other wide shot uh yeah <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm on, I look back. I was like, oh, shit. I was on camera all night anyway with the hard cam shot. So it didn't matter. But uh, good show. Fun show. Good live. So whoever Trent Seven's partner is at Hard to Kill, that person's going to be signing with Impact. Right? Well, no, is that because, how this works? No, because the show's not at Don Kolov. It's at, oh, it's got to be got to be at, at that. Oh. Yeah, that's the what if they do? Course. What if they do an on location match? That's the only match. <laughs> That's there. Trent Seven and who got who who got released three months ago? Because those are coming up. Oh, uh, dude, like the Mike Rallis signing is coming. Oh, you're that, gonna be that, so excited. For I am. So, I am getting to. I am getting so lucky with this Vegas taping. They've got Okada. They've got Will Ospreay and Josh Alexander having another match at the Snake Eyes TV tapings. Like the pay per view itself is almost becoming secondary to what they're taping the next night at Palms on TV. It's yeah, they, that's a. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. It's like, hey, here's our pay per view. We're TNA wrestling again, Moose and Alex Shelley. But the next night, you're getting Okada and Will Ospreay. I'm hoping that they do some stuff with that card because you're right. It's very much taken away from the Hard to Kill branding 
uh, Trinity and Jordan Grace is obviously a match that a lot of people are looking forward to. And like they were trying to tell a few stories in the tag match that they had, it was Trinity and Grace taking on Giselle Shaw and Deanna Perrazzo. And that was Deanna's last match. We can talk about that too. But uh, yeah, it, they really have some work to do on the actual pay-per-view and they have no TV to really announce it for because now we're coming up on the best of shows, which historically you do a best of show in wrestling your ratings aren't going to be strong. And it's not like impact has like the strongest ratings. They do have a very strong social media brand. And I'm hoping that they make use of that to announce matches for hard to kill. Similarly to what they did for final resolution. We shall see with these upcoming television tapings and their best of specials. I hope they run Okada's entire TNA run on these best of specials. <laughs> I kind of want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> the blunders of okada like i said on on friday show i need okada to come out with the stupid mask tear it up burn it whatever yeah. he needs to do he's teaming with motor city machine guns to take on uh what was it edwards moose and myers Myers. that's right yeah. Oh, yeah brian myers who was on our show on wednesday uh talking about matching gear with with eddie edwards we got that scoop because they got matching gear and that edwards, was edwards by the way got busted open bad at that show it was it was not planned you know, they, they didn't win, so we, we can't unfortunately claim that we continue to, to boost careers with victories. But Myers got an Okada match announced. So like that's a victory, right? Like we can we can take that. We can take that claim, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Cause I'm going out of this interview with Brian Myers. I was like, well, shit, our algorithm's gonna go down the toilet. So uh let's just try and focus on the positives. And they gave us the positive. He got the triple the the, the six man tag. So good for him. Good for you, Brian Myers. Get to work Okada. Yeah. Uh I thought I thought Vana Resolution was a was a good show. It did feel very much of like, here's some matches, have fun, you know, good luck. Uh main event was a lot of fun, though Motor City Machine Guns losing. I mean, I get it, but like, are we just gonna keep doing this? Where this is what I worry about with Osprey now. Like, Alexander's gotta beat Osprey, right? He's gotta beat him. So Got to. this is where my brain went immediately because I saw the four men in the ring. I'm like, everyone's a champion except for Josh Alexander, but you can't keep beating Josh Alexander because you have to rebuild him in some way after injury. Zack Sabre Jr. probably isn't going to lose. It's his first night in. They could do it, but New Japan doesn't really love their champions losing. As the, even their like their television watch belt champion, they don't want him losing. <laughs> he can lose. He could lose, but they didn't want to do that. And then you've got the world champion. Buster Brian. That's true. <laughs> you don't want, but that's different. That's that's, that's Brian Danielson. That's. I mean, you know, I understand Brian Danielson's the goat, but. The the other two match people in this match were your world champion, your X division champion. So here's my point: Saban doesn't have a match yet for Final Resolution, or sorry for for Hard to Kill. I wouldn't doubt that they do Saban and Alexander, and I wouldn't doubt Alexander wins. I wouldn't doubt that he wins the X division championship, beats Will Osprey the next night at the TV tapings. They call it an X division championship match. Josh Alexander gets that big win. They'll maybe get to a third match because if Will Ospreay is going to be in AEW, then there's a relationship there with Impact that Will could possibly work another show for them. Good match to set up a rubber match. But option C comes back into fold. That's something that I don't like them using too often. But in the case of Josh Alexander, it would work because it's been used on him before. So this is a good chance for him to reverse that and take the world championship. So Saban got pinned by Alexander at the show. 
That's what sets that up. That's what puts that wheel in motion. You couldn't pin the world champion because he's got to take on Moose at the pay-per-view. And again, we talked about Zack Sabre Jr. So it made sense to pin the X-Division champion here, if that's where you're going. Yeah, this this all makes sense until Tony comes up to Scott at the Snake Eyes tapings and being like, my guy ain't losing this. He's about to start with us full time. He ain't losing to Josh Alexander in a match that's going to air like the week he's starting with us. So well, this ain't happening. What if Osprey walks out of New Japan with the global championship, the 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 global force IWGP world heavyweight ghc championship i saw osprey comment on this he's like oh this sounds like a great title for someone who's going to be working in two companies multiple promotions things like isn't that the purpose of the continental isn't that the whole purpose of this tournament is so you can defend it on new japan roh and AEW television now it's the the globe you have the global championship john moxley is right by the way, too many fucking belts. Yes. Too, we're way past the five minute mark. I can curse. You're good. Too many belts on this. Consolidate, consolidate, consolidate. Get all, all of you companies need to come together, not to put together a super show, to put together a belt consolidation event. That's what it should be called. AEW, MLW, CMLL, AAA, impact wrestling new japan all of you come together and i don't care what your super show is i want your belt consolidation show that's what we need that's what we need for this big brouhaha meeting all right make it happen rocky uh you can also make leaving a thumbs up happen on the video and subscribe to us here on the channel because we're marching towards 15,000. I want 15,000 subs by the end of this year. That's my goal. Please help us get there. Tell your friends, make your make whatever Gmail accounts you need to. Sign into them and sub to us here uh and of course hit the bell, get your notifications. And also, if you're feeling in the festive spirit, go ahead and donate a super chat to us. Any amount of question statement read on the air. Uh, I do want to bring up why syllable saying it's almost like boxing. And it's absolutely true. <laughs> it is so many of these belts. It's, oh, we got, oh, we got to consolidate. We got to consolidate these things. I, we don't need them all. What do we need? A never, never open weight ROH six man AEW trios. We got three six-man titles. None of them mean anything. I was going to say, and you've got Okada and Tanahashi holding one of them, and I'm sure most people don't know that. Yeah, Okada, they're probably going to lose them to United Empire at the uh, uh, Road to Tokyo Dome show in a couple of weeks because United Empire is actually a trios faction. And the other group, one, they just beat Ishii all the time, so whatever. Uh and then the other group is Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii. Oh, the six-man titles, Gates of Agony. Who, who was stepping... Oh, United Empire was seemingly to challenging them for the ROH six-man titles with Brian Cage. And then you got the acclaimed who ain't been on television in a month. Billy Gunn's doing interviews like, yeah, we're fine. We just... They're doing this tournament, so we don't want to... We don't want to, uh, you know, be part of the show. We're not part of the show because this tournament is going on. 
all just, these people with time. Moxley's right. What Moxley called the 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 one promo he did. He's like, you got the fucking Indianic Oceanic Championship. Like, what do we need this belt for? What does this belt mean? Indiana Knock doesn't need another title. <laughs> Knock it off with these titles. He's but he's right about this, right? And we've we've said this for a while. I've said this for a very long time. These belts are props. They're they're just devices of like the belts on the line, but they don't mean anything at the end of the day. Like they just don't. And this is why this is funny because like the ranking system in AEW, this is one of the reasons why it made sense. Excuse me for a second. The UFC title, the UFC, by the way, has they have titles in each division, but then they do this create they create interim titles when a champion's out. Like the UFC gets very very all over the place with they they tried creating the bmf title which i maybe lasted one fight maybe they had two fights for that i don't know but like yeah they tried to create the 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 ufc tries to stick with divisions but then when a champion gets hurt it's like ah let's create an interim title for this and then they have five round main events anyway all these all of too many titles too many here's here's all i want joel here's all i want i need a world title I need a secondary title. I need a tag team title, a women's title, and a women's secondary title. That's it. I want five titles. If you can convince me, if you can convince me you can do a women's tag team division properly, fine. Give them a tag team championship as well. None of these promotions can convince me they do it properly. So I don't want them just doing it for the sake of doing it. And I agree with you. The The point I was going to make before I started coughing, excuse me for that, was that the ranking system worked in that you were building stories that built to title matches. You were doing that by having singles feud, or at least hypothetically, you're having feuds with other wrestlers who are vying for a championship, which at its core, wrestling is about the championships. And you have little individual side quests along the way with personal issues and you settle them in the ring. That's that's wrestling 101. That's all it is and that's all it needs to be. And you tell an engaging story and a compelling story to lead to a championship match. And multiple stories can happen at once. That's why, to me, multiple belts aren't always needed other than the ones that, Jeremy, you just mentioned. And again, you can make the case for women's tag titles. I would make the case for women's tag titles more than ever if the stories are there because the talent is certainly there. You can establish a lot of women who can make tag teams and have really good, solid tag matches, but you need to tell the stories as well. So it it really comes down to being able to tell the stories and not just introducing titles for the sake of introducing titles. Uh, And that's why the global championship Make it's fine. You're rebranding the yeah. It's IWGP just the US United States title. It's just yeah. rebranding. That's all. I personally would have just called it the Intercontinental Championship again and just gone back to the original lineage of that and just melded it in with the U.S. and U.K. You know, championship uh, for IWGP, and that's it. But instead, we're doing the global, which has made a lot of uh, Noah fans, pro wrestling Noah fans, upset because. The, does anyone want to tell them what the GHC stands for in the GHC championship in Noah? No, we don't need to do that. It's cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <sighs> All these titles. I'm team Moxley with this. John Moxley's promotion would rule, by the way. If he had a promotion, it just it'd be real, real fist fights. It'd be blood in every match. And there'd probably be like one title. That's it. It'd be blood sport. 
essentially. Hey, I was going to say, it's yeah. just Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. Yeah, that would be... Yeah, that would be Moxley's promotion. It'd be Bloodsport. He'd have some titles. He'd have it by weight classes. I guarantee. Guarantee. This man's probably won a championship or two because they just hand him out like candy. Sean, have you ever won a championship in wrestling? There's a, Look at all these belts you got in the background. Yeah, one of them titles. has to be. Yeah. There you go. Championships. Joel's a, a fightful champion for no reason. Hey, by you're the telling way, me. You know I what know. tomorrow is, by the way? Tomorrow is day 1,000. Is it? It really is. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. We've still got footage from last year we haven't aired. That's right. Because it's so terrible. Yeah. It's the worst. It was bad. <laughs> it's edited in everything now. Like We, we used our video it. editor to do it. Um, uh, but like... Listen, I'm dealing with enough bullshit on the internet right now uh, about me wrestling. So, uh, not I don't know if I need, it. I don't, well, I mean, it, it features me beating you with a novelty sized dildo, <laughs> Joel. That was, yeah, you really the, ruined the business with this. The editor who we did not instruct to do this edited, like, blurred it. And I was like, you know, probably a good idea. <laughs> probably a good idea. Um, that was a great, great day. Shout out Wild Egg, please sponsor me. Oh, the me. eggs are yes, back. Sir. Please sponsor me. So I came here to rant a little bit, guys. Oh, sure. Right. Welcome to the party, pal. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll tell you a little bit about my social media experience. Oh. I have thousands of people blocked on Twitter. And, you know, occasionally I'll see somebody say, he's got half of uh, wrestling Twitter blocked. Nah, nah, buddy. I got 267,000 followers. Lots of people follow me. Because I'm very good at the Twitter. Very good at it. Uh, I've been using the Facebook more lately under the, the Sean Ross Sap, Facebook.com Sean Ross Sap thing. And I've been actually logging on to Fightful's Facebook here and there. I've been on Fightful's Facebook more times in the last week than I've been on Fightful's Twitter in five years. And that's because I get on social media, I get on Facebook, and I just see lies. I mean, like, not even not even slick. On Twitter, they know I'm going to correct them, and it'll get community noted. People just lie on Facebook because they think they can get away with it. I'm going to fix that. So I, I get on Instagram, and uh, mainly positive. Uh, one of the clips of Shaza went viral. Very happy about that. But you'll occasionally get those people that are too stupid to, to read my bio that says, first off, don't tag me in this stuff because I don't care. Uh, tag Fightful in it. But... You know, just just jerks. Fightful Select, everything's sweet. It's good. It's nice. Great. I, I can't log into my tout for some reason. But then yesterday I get on Twitter and I see the Mark Briscoe thing. And it grossed me out so bad. It grossed me out so fucking bad. It really, really annoyed me. Like, is this guy not allowed to be a little bit hurt? Is he not allowed to still grieve over something that was important to him? And people making it a lot of something that it wasn't. Like, come on. If you're talking about how it was popularized outside of wrestling, that's fine. I understand it. I get it. it everybody who has watched wrestling for any period of time understand why it was popularized within pro wrestling. Uh, and and I think that's that's important context. But... I see gross ass people trying to finger wag him for being upset, hurt, bothered about something that, that maybe diminishes or minimizes his brother that he lost less than a year ago as he's approaching his first 
holiday season ever without his brother that he has ever experienced without his brother. And I see these dopey motherfuckers trying to finger wag him. Uh, You know, I don't feel like somebody's job should have been called for. I'm glad he posted a follow-up tweet to that. But I'll say this. If you type something on Twitter, say it out loud before you do it. And if, you know what, even in the presence of somebody else, say, you know, I want to run this tweet by you. And if they look at you like you're an idiot, well, then you're an absolute idiot. Now, I'm not talking about, OMG, crazy Frankensteiner or some shit like that. That'll get you looked at weird, too. But if you think it might be even a little mean-spirited, just go up to somebody and be like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to tweet this at somebody. I'm going to tweet this. Oh, and for, and for the context, his brother died tragically this year. And, and you can apply that to anything. To anything. Just don't tweet stupid shit. Don't say stupid, mean shit to people. Because here's the thing. A lot of people are like, imagine if you said it to his face. Honestly, he, he might not do anything. He's a really nice guy. He's a really sweet dude. But... It's a terrible, hurtful thing to do. And I don't know why so many people are terrible. It's just. In in the words of Taylor Swift, Baron Corbin Stan, Taylor Swift, you say it in a tweet, that's a cop out. You say it in the streets, that's a knockout. There you go. There you go. And listen, I, I am no tough guy, but I have met zero of the thousands of people that have said horrible things about me in person. I'm very much willing to bet that even fewer of those zero are going to say something like that to Mark Briscoe in person and finger wag him in person. And I mean, I get it. It's social media. Sometimes you have the benefit of saying things um, remotely that you would not say in person. And I'm not saying like, oh, you know what? You need to fight over everything you say. No, that's stupid too. Just maybe don't say stupid, hurtful shit to people because like, it's it's really pointless. I mean, if you're not comfortable with your boss finding out what you tweet, whether whether or not it is public or anonymous or whatever, probably shouldn't say it. Probably shouldn't yep. say it. Uh, yeah, I saw. Listen, I saw the tweet on Friday during SmackDown, and I was just like, "Oh, it's going to be a thing." And I just I, I walked away, and I hope I hope more people just walk away. I hope more people just go offline, take a breather, take a walk around the block, whatever you need to do, get out there. And the whole idea, I love this, Sean, being like, talk to uh, talk to your friend, relay the tweet by them. Well, some of these people just don't have those friends. And that's, a, yeah. that's another problem that exists. It's just, it's very upsetting. It's very frustrating that people just want that. The anonymity. And, and Jeremy and I have talked about this a million times. If they, are, if they have uh, no face in their avatar, and they're talking shit. They're either under 16 or over 65, and they're not going to change. So I ain't, I ain't engaging. I'm just blocking. You've also got a reason to hide as well. Yeah, in, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm not saying like anything shouldn't be anonymous or anything like that. I mean, I get accused of having burners all the time. And unless it has a Bengals logo on it, I don't. Well, I got my private account now, but I don't really uh, do burner stuff on that. Uh, but like, it's just... And listen, I see it. Some of their friends are also tweeting BS. Yes, go to a normal functioning human being. Go go to your mom. <laughs> ask your mom. What- I ask 
I ask my wife all the time before I yeah. so and like I troll tweet and and you know have fun with make jokes and stuff. And sometimes I'm just like, are people gonna take this the wrong way? And and a lot of times she's like, yeah, maybe, but like it's fun. Most of people will get it. And then other times she's like, yeah, don't do that one. You're gonna catch way too much flack that you just probably don't want. I'm like, yeah, you're right. So and then I just I don't tweet it. I do have some breaking news. Per internal live events reports, this is now the highest grossing in the weeds of all time. Will Chisholm says, SRS, any update on Charlotte's knee? Unfortunately, I don't. It is a a legit injury, though. She had to be helped to the back. She was in a lot of pain. Man, I saw the spot. I don't know if you guys did. It was filthy. It was gross. So It was um, not the moonsault, by the way. People were trying to pretend or claim that it was the moonsault it wasn't the moonsault yeah. but yeah it did not look good senior nerd says why is he tagging triple h and asking somebody to be fired during the holiday season triple h has nothing to do with the fox twitter account listen uh, i'm pretty sure that he doesn't know that first off uh second off he did post a follow-up tweet and he said times are hard i don't think anybody should be fired over this he was emotional about it that's why he did that and my my line of thinking was are you more bothered as a human being that he posted that in an emotional situation than he was hurt by that original tweet? And he he was like, you know what, my bad, and that was good. I also don't like people finger wagging. I'm like, yeah, that's more like it. Man, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. What a what a oh that, that dumbass shit. Oh my god. Sorry to curse so much on the air, but. What what are our sponsors going to do? What yeah, are our Joel's, sponsors going to think? Email Joel's us back fight. for one. I've been trying to land one deal for a month and a half. Wish they would <laughs> seal that deal. Yep. But uh, hey, guys, uh, holiday Christmas stream Sunday at eight. All the proceeds go to uh, the non SRS Fightful staff. They go to me. There you go. Doesn't include these two fellows up there. Uh, <laughs> Wait Steve a Matt. minute. Wait a minute, then Joel and Kate at 8 will be live on Fightful Overbooked this Sunday. I was wondering if you guys were going to do the uh, head-to-head stream here. I'm going to be on both streams. I will will say this here because I can. I did pitch a bit to Kate where, well, I was going to pitch to Sean too, where we start the show. It is Kate and I doing the show as if it's Joel and Kate at 8. And then Sean shows up and just be like, guys, what are you doing here? And It'll be be Joel and Kate plus 8. Yeah, we we made yeah. that joke before. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, you're not original here. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, this, um, is, this is original because it will be plus eight because there's going to be a bunch of people, I assume, from the Fightful stream. Or from and, the you Fightful only have, and you can only have 10 people on a stream at once on this app. It's yes, true. That Actually. was a good, good shot, Sean. Stop. Uh, Fightful voting. So we're doing things a little bit different. Uh, we did it at the end of the year last year. We're going to do the voting around the beginning of January this year. So... December 25th, subscribers of FightfulSelect.com will have the opportunity to uh, nominate this year. Last year, it was staff nominations, fan vote. This year, it is uh, fan nominations and staff nominations and just a fan vote. So uh, December 25th uh, through basically December 31st, you'll have the opportunity to nominate. So what you'll do is you'll see all the categories. You'll put them in a little word, a little word document. Then you'll copy, paste those over into the comment board. We will uh, take your recommendations, put them down, and yeah, there you go. Guys, thank gonna, you all for, for letting me I'm going to start pushing the Snoop Dogg 
Miz match of the year agenda. I seriously thought about doing a people's elbow like Snoop Dogg, but I knew that people would think that I just didn't know how to hit the ropes. Yeah. yeah. You would have to yell, this is for Snoop and hope that the context got through that. You know what? There was a lot of things I yelled during that match. Like I was yelling at Shaza for switching out my thumbtacks for candy corn, but you couldn't hear anything on commentary. Yeah. After you left uh, the show, when we talked about this, I went on a whole not a rant, but I talked about how a lot of indie wrestling promotions don't invest in in audio to to pick up crowd noise, and that's been a big thing in the concert scene for the last like ten years because everyone's wearing in ear monitors, and it's weird not to hear the crowd. So yeah, we went off on that. Jeremy, you gotta stop drinking water like that. <laughs> Why? It's mine. Nobody else does it but me. I get to put up with Joel. I completely week. agree with you. Um, I was able to procure a copy without commentary that was filmed from ringside. And I was so happy about that, but um, yeah, uh, the, <laughs> I've gotten, uh, I think the last count that somebody gave me was 1.5 million views on clips of me and Shaza, which I'll just say more viewers than Vince Russo ever drew for an episode of TNA. Impact. Oh, deep. <sighs> Always good to see Sean. That's right. Always good to see Sean. He, he was up early. This is very early for him. Usually he's yeah. in the second half of the show. Come the, in the first half. Yeah. yeah. Well, he said Sha- he said Shaza ruined his sleep schedule last week. So you know, I I, I didn't want to talk about the Mark Briscoe thing, but and, and neither did I. But I mean, it's I don't know how much further you want to go with it because I don't personally want to go too too much further but i will listen to anything you want to add well i don't have much to add besides what sean said i didn't see it like i i try very hard to stay off of social media during the weekend i'm on locked in five days a week like during the weekday because i'm collecting news and looking for news and everything weekend i try to take a break i had a, a busy ish weekend with non-wrestling stuff so like i tried to stay away from it. i saw like we covered it as a as a team as a news team and stuff so i saw mark's tweet and then i saw the apology and i didn't look further into that i always say this to you all the time anyway joel don't read the comments so like i saw mark's tweet i didn't want to read the comments past that because i'm sure they sucked and then i saw his apology and i'm sure the comments on that sucked as well I don't read the comments on my own posts. I don't read the comments on my own show. I don't even read the promo. I don't even read the comments on like good headlines that I write that I'm sure are saying nice things about me for like, ah, this is a great headline, Jeremy. Like, unless I'm tagged in it, I don't care to read the comments and even stuff I am tagged in. I don't care to read those comments either. So no, I didn't read any of the comments. I can only imagine. And then I saw mainly how, what I see of things is people being upset over what people are upset about. That makes sense? Yeah, that's third degree upsetness, which is just that's ugh. that's largely how like I see more people being upset over what people are mad about than the what people are actually mad about. Like that's usually how I keep up with the, what's going on. Man, just understand what this man is going through. Okay, just understand what what he's going through. And he 
he recognized that, yeah, calling for someone's job, probably not the best idea in the world. And he apologized for that. Otherwise, what, what are we doing? And this this come. what do I always, always, always say when it comes to just social media and like feeling you got to fucking comment on everything, Joel? You don't. You are not part of this story. This shit is not about you. Just because you have this platform to do something and you want to try to put your opinion out there on everything doesn't mean you should do it. Always say, shut the fuck up. That's all you got to do. Shut the fuck up and move on. Do something else with your life. Then try to try to be the friggin' central figure in a story or a narrative or a tweet or a life that ain't got shit to do with you. I'm the main character. If you know, you know. My soul of the last. His real question was the internet a mistake? No, the internet wasn't a mistake. Social media wasn't even a mistake. It's people were a mistake. People were a mistake. <laughs> the and, and again, this is this show is aptly called in the weeds, but I don't want to get too deep into this weed because we. I think we've covered a lot of it. But when it comes to social media, it's just we've talked about it. There's a lot of just literacy that needs to be the focus and people who just want to argue for the sake of arguing about things they don't understand and aren't needing to be a part of what's why, who cares? I saw the tweet, like I said to Sean and, and to you, Jeremy, I said, I saw the tweet and I said, okay, it's going to be a thing. I saw, so I saw one of our friends retweet and just be like, uh, and I was like, Oh God, can this not be a thing? And then, and then it became a thing and it became more of a thing. And everyone likes to get progressively angrier and just, just move forward. Just move forward. The problem isn't with you. The problem isn't, you know, yours to handle. You don't need to stand up every single time someone like this says something. Like, it doesn't need to be that way. But I digress. I stay away from it 99% of the time. If it's especially egregious, I will probably say something and I'll just point out something that needs to be said. Uh, Shytown Spurs was smart and said football was on. I didn't see anything. So there yeah, you go. football on. Basketball on, not yesterday, but like hockey on. People get mad at me. I'm like tweeting about like the Thunder game during uh during wrestling. It was it was a like the AEW pay per view, and like AEW's running a pay per view, NXT's running a show. It was the other week, and like I'm tweeting about the Thunder and Warriors game because Chet Holmgren's hitting this big shot, and people are like, Jeremy, you know wrestling's on. Like, yeah, I'm fucking watching wrestling. I don't care to comment on wrestling. What what excited me in that moment was Chet Holmgren hitting a game-tying three. Not whatever was happening on this AEW pay-per-view. And also, like, you're going you're gonna to comment on it I- eventually. And it's not going to, like, that's why I, I've kind of, you know, curbed my tweeting most of the time for wrestling shows. It's I'll tweet a joke here and there or just be like, oh, that was stupid or whatever. But, like, I don't tweet nearly as much during shows as I used to because now I have a different platform where I can talk about it and be a lot more eloquent and people here in the chat will understand what I'm coming from or where I'm coming from when I say what I say. And it doesn't get misconstrued and tossed into a pack of weird dogs that don't even know how to read properly half of the time. Uh, Chi-Town Spurs says, if the Bears finish the season undefeated wwe should oh sorry if the bears finish the season undefeated wwe should have punk and rollins bond over and become tag team champions <laughs> the bears are gonna get the number one overall pick because the carolina panthers are the worst team in in nfl 
right now. The worst run franchise, the worst on the field product, just garbage, awful from the top of the organization all the way down. And they're winning football games. Good on the Bears. People now, like, we've done the Seth Rollins bit every uh, every single week where he always tweets, I love football or I hate football. Usually I hate football. And, like, we do an article on it. We've done it every week. To now people, like, after the Bears won last night, people were tagging me. It's like, run the article, Jeremy. I was like, eh, don't worry. I got you. I got you. So We've already that's become therapy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's become therapy to bitch about the Panthers because they're so, so, so awful. The Carolina Panthers, just a terrible, terrible franchise. Uh, and Louis sent us a super chat saying, hell, even football was on. <laughs> Soccer, soccer for the Americans out there. Football. Uh, and so so I, I'll bring this up from Why Solable. Uh, for all the shit I hear about Twitter, I don't understand how you guys do it. More power to you. And that's the thing. You kind of curb your Twitter use based on when you need to, what you need to, and I'll just search things I want to find. Nine times out of ten, I'm just scrolling past this shit. I've, I've got a, a window on one of my desktops open with Twitter. And while I'm doing literally anything else, I'll take a look, just see if anything important's come up. And I go from there. I focus more on my own curation of my own Twitter than I do what other people are saying 99% of the time. That's just me. Yeah, I I use it for news. That's it. Oh, there's a Tony Khan media call tomorrow at 3 Eastern. Assume to promote ROH. I would like to. ROH is this week. Was that given to you via Twitter? That was given to me via uh, an email. That's old, I to, man. We don't do email here. I was on I was on the Shawn Michaels media call, Joel. Did, did you? you did you see that? Yeah. No, I didn't listen to the Shawn Michaels media call this time. Wow. I know, but I read all the I just read all the, the, the comments and I was or not the comments, all the uh the transcriptions and that was what that was what really story? Cool. What 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 story what was to you? Best two hours in TV, Jeremy Lambert. Best two hours of TV because it allowed Such me to put up that stupid video from us talking about AEW says this is the worst show ever. Go watch this train wreck. <laughs> I popped. I for, I forget half the things that I say on this show. When you posted that clip, I was like, oh, yeah, I did say that. I believe it, too. I was like, who cares? All right, yeah, you got a great show. Tell me the show sucks. If that 2003 Heroes of Wrestling DVD or, or pay-per-view, if that happened now during social media time, they would have billions of buys based it on watch would. this train wreck. And yeah. people would watch it. And there would be papers written about it and discourse and everything. Okay, what was the actual, what do you think was the actual, like, biggest kind of news comment? Maybe maybe it wasn't even, like, a, a great, like, answer or anything, but the biggest kind of, like, question that you saw floating around and circulating from the Shawn Michaels media call. I mean, it happened on Thursday. I don't remember anything. Wow. <laughs> Just the two-hour thing. That was really the big moment because that was, that was the, uh, the promoter's promote line to me. I just, I saw a lot of people talk about it and I was like, no, this is, this is no different than when people get on Tony Khan about this is the best show we've ever done, or this is the best, you know, that's promoter speak and that's fine. I don't, I don't mind it when Tony does it. I don't mind it when Shawn Michaels does it. You and I talk about, you know, there's a line It's not, not every show is the best show ever, but if you stand by your television product, you can say something like what Sean said, which is I will put my product up against anyone else's week to week. That I think is the the right way to approach it versus this week is the best week and this week is the best week. No, talk about your show as a whole and stand by it. So that's why 
to me, the Shawn Michaels comment about best two hours of television, that kind of stands out to me because I just saw a lot of a lot of people getting upset over something that promoter speak would make perfect sense. All right, fine. I was trying to get you to put me over and you didn't. Thanks a lot, Sorry, Joel. Buddy. Can't do that. I asked about Mackenzie Mitchell. That was my question. To, you to did. And he, he had a very good answer. You're right. It was, it was, you know, didn't know anything caught off guard. We wish McKenzie the best. Didn't expect much, but you don't know if you don't ask. I had that question chambered and that's the one that I got to ask, even though I was, I was called on a little bit later. Um, my other question is a free one for anybody. It's probably passed now. Uh, maybe I should have given this out on last Thursday. Remember Brooks Jensen used journey. It was, it was a dark match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask about licensing music, music because NXT doesn't really do that. And I just wanted to know if Sean had any more insight of like, hey, there's going to be a thing or not. Again, I expect the answer to be like, no, we just kind of did it. See how it played type of thing. Sean doesn't know anything about anything, which rules pops me all the time. Um, but that was my other question. But yeah, I, I was on the, the Shawn Michaels media call. So I don't get I've talked about this. I don't get like starstruck when we talk to these wrestlers or anything. I said, Darren McCarty was the one where I'm like, Oh shit. Five-year-old me would not believe this at all. Shawn Michaels was the closest. And that even wasn't on a real interview. Uh, it was, you know, it was just a, it was a media call. Sean was probably the closest though. Cause I grew up big, big Shawn Michaels fan. Uh, so that Sean was probably the closest, but you know, it was just the media calls. Like, all right, cool. I get to ask Shawn Michaels a question. If I did a proper interview with him, I'd probably feel a little bit more like, oh, this is this is really cool. Yeah, and I get that, and I've I've had that feeling before with people I've been able to to step into a room with, and and more one on one than like a, a, a media call or anything like that. Doing my first uh, WWE PLE uh, junket back in February was was kind of that moment for me. It's like I cover this, I talk about this, I don't get to have some one-on-one time where I get to ask, you know, some silly and some interesting questions and get a little more info than I would normally have out of that. So, uh, no, I get it. I really do. Um, but also we're just like, Oh my God, it's this guy. Oh my God. But internally, you know, you might feel like a 10 year old kid and that's fine. That's fun. I like giving flowers to people that we, we interview, you know, when, when we spoke to like yeah. Brian Myers, I thought his, his work during the pandemic is really underrated and I, I want to tell him that in person. When we talked to Kip Sabian, I, I credited him for like putting himself out there, doing media. I want to tell him that in person. Like some of these people, I don't know. I don't know if that comes off markish or whatever. I just, I just think that J- Janella said this, and we, we haven't run the article yet because I'm so behind on articles. But I was transcribing it over the weekend, where Janella was just like, you know, give me my flowers while while I'm alive, and it's like we should, we should probably do that. And so, look, if, if you think that we come off markish because I tell these people, hey, you did really good work here. I appreciate that you do this kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. I'm not fanboying out over the stuff they are doing. I do think that it's good to positive reinforcement, giving flowers is, is nice to hear a lot of times from from various people just uh, so that they you understand that you are appreciated or you understand that hey i saw this and i thought this was very good it also it comes down to the delivery and the content of the praise if you tell this person oh my god every single one of your matches is the best match ever then yeah that then it comes off a little bit panderous and a little bit markish i think the ways that and, and tap ourselves on the back whatever i think the ways that we approach that we approach our 
delivery and our praise is more rooted in like, we see what you're doing and that's good. Meanwhile, you also have to touch them with a little bit of, of negative feedback or just ask them real important questions like, are you any better at Mario Kart since the last time when you were dog shit? That, to me, balances everything out. You're just mean, Joel. You're just mean to our guests. That's really what it is. I am very mean. Yeah, why well, well, this sometimes is where we're at now is if you compliment someone you're because you know you got to be unbiased journalist is is what everybody wants you can't show favor to them it's very stupid it's all stupid it is everything's stupid it's wrestling yeah yeah read this a super chat from sidehouse spurs and then let's get into spicy punk yes i'm into it uh speaking of football soccer as it is in the u.s tony khan's full and beat helwani and triple h's teams five nothing five nil each last week at least he has that going for him did you see the 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 post from mma hour where tony where um helwani invited tony to do a watch along of the fulham versus whatever team helwani supports he wanted tony to come and join him they were gonna i guess bury the hatchet or do something to make it right i don't think you saw this judging by your face Joel, I don't watch that show unless there is a wrestler on it and I have to do an interview. I, I The only time I watched it otherwise was after the uh, stuff with uh, Tony and Hilwani when Hilwani right. was at Elimination so Rare. And then, yeah. yeah, that whole thing. So I had to... Okay. I will say this. It was very much a... Uh, it was it was a uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? It's not a gotcha or anything like that. It was it was very um, hollow. Stupid. It was silly. It was stupid, but it was also very hollow because do you know what day the team played Fulham? Take a wild guess. A Wednesday. You bet your ass it was a Wednesday, and I'm sitting there just being like, "Come on, Ariel, what are we doing here? I know what you're after." Uh, but anyway, listen, I'm glad Fulham's doing well. I'm sure that's making Tony happy. So I'm trying to get Baron Corbin on this show to talk about his meeting with Taylor Swift at the Chiefs game, which didn't work, by the way. The power of Taylor Swift is apparently not as strong as the negativity of Baron Corbin because the Chiefs lost after one of the best plays we've ever seen that did not count. I stand by, and I'm not the first person to say this. It, did you see this, Joel? You probably didn't. But this is this is way more people care about this way more than they do this Hawani Tony concept. I mean, obviously. Patrick Mahomes, the, the the Chiefs are down three. Mahomes throws it to Kelsey. That that's Taylor's boyfriend. Yes. Throws it to you. Kelsey. Kelsey catches it. He's going, he's at like the, the 20 yard line, 15 yard line, or whatever. Two people are around him, about to get tackled. He laterals it back to Kadarius Tony. And he goes in and scores. It was not a set play. It was clearly a play where Travis Kelsey was like, oh, shit, I'm about to be tackled. Hold on. I see this guy wide open. Let me throw it back to him. And then Tony goes in and scores. And it it didn't count because Tony was offsides. I'm with you, Wysolable. They called it right. I I don't blame the refs for that. But this is my theory of just like, let cool shit happen. I don't care if it's against the rules. Let's just let awesome shit happen. Because that ruled. This and is it, now it's a, out. It, it's a nondescript play. It's like that play doesn't exist in history. 
because it was offsides. And that sucks. But Baron Corbin's negativity and loserness, because he lost on Saturday, rubbed over to the Kansas City Chiefs and could not even overcome the power. The, te- the, the power of Taylor Swift could not overcome the stank of Baron Corbin. I'd like Baron Corbin on the show to talk about this. I want him to come on the show and talk about meat, talk about cooking meats, and talk about nothing else but the meat. Our Corbin interview would rule because it'd be no wrestling. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure he would love that because I think the last thing Baron Corbin likes to talk about yeah. is wrestling. We'll talk about boxing. I don't know. They call you a Golden Gloves boxing champion. Do you still have a pair of Golden Gloves that you can box in on NXT? I think that would be a fun title to put on the line. <laughs> no more titles, Joel. Stop more it. Golden Glove titles in wrestling. Stop. No anyway. more titles. Uh, except, except for the title of most awkward promo goes to CM Punk and Shawn Michaels on Saturday at deadline. Jeremy Lambert, CM Punk showed up at deadline to the surprise of very few people. Uh, as reported by FIFA Select, he was in town. Oh. As reported by CM Punk Select, he missed yeah. his flights. <laughs> and he was all over the new Titan Towers. Uh, Shawn Michaels comes out to, to start the show at deadline. And then out comes CM Punk wearing his Brett Hitman hard hoodie. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious, by the way. Uh, and they they have a little chat in the ring. And just the finish of that was so awkward with the taking the selfie. And then randomly we go off the air for the, the cold open. And here we are. What do you think of this whole thing? Punk, punk on was, Saturday. And then we'll talk about punk on Friday. Saturday was whatever. Like he, he set it up on Friday because he mentioned NXT. And I'm going to have a phone call with Shawn Michaels. And then he just happened to be in Bridgeport. He missed his flight. Can they not get him like a, a return flight? No, or we something? talked about this. Just like it all in when he didn't get picked up at the airport and he took the tube, he decided that instead of driving all the way home or getting a rebooked flight, he decided he'll go straight to the office and they'll uh, take care of it there. He was already in Rhode Island, not too far from Connecticut. It was an easy ride. So he made the okay. trip. He probably right. took so, public transit, took a Greyhound. Who knows? So was Punk... So was Punk uh, saying that he missed his flight? That was a shot at AEW for their uh, trial. Is that what you're saying, Joel? That's what I'm hearing. Everything is a shot, Jeremy. Everything CM Punk. He wakes up in the morning, takes a shot. He doesn't even drink. No, he's straight edge. He's straight edge. He doesn't drink. He's taking a shot first thing in the morning. Uh, No. Uh, the, The NXT stuff was whatever. Like it was a campy little segment on the NXT show. That's it it. I don't think anybody NXT. Yeah, I don't think anybody expects him to join NXT when he makes his decision live tonight. WWE Raw, 8 p.m. Eastern, USA Network. I don't think anybody expects him to uh, join NXT. The promo on Friday. Yeah. That's what people want to talk about because you've clickbaited this title here and called this a spicy smackdown promo people in the chat are very upset at your use of the spicy you're right it was it's it's spicy as in like my wife who is half colombian and cannot tolerate pepper it was that kind of spicy it was white person spicy jeremy lambert okay we need to we need again we need to set the boundaries of the terms we use And this is one of those times. Was it spicy? Well, spice, just like most cooking and like wrestling, that's that's subjective. Jeff L.A. Jarvis saying it was ketchup. Ketchup can be spicy to some people. People, It can be. Barbecue ketchup or something? I don't know. Mayo spicy? There there is spicy mayo out there. It's super white. 
I, I like I'm white and mayo. I have it on like sandwiches. That's about it. I can't overdo the mayo. The paprika, cinnamon, spicy. You guys are some haters. Haters in the chat. Can't believe that. Just just like CM Punk making a reference to punching people and you can't do that in 2023. You people just don't get it. You just don't. You just (laughs) water burger, ketchup. Okay. All right. Joel, what what were your thoughts on this promo? Legitimate. What are your thoughts? I liked it. The the line that everyone's talking about. The reason why I liked it, and I actually I said this to Kate because I said uh, I'm gonna pull it up what I said, but I essentially said like this is it's a really good promo. It's fine. It's exactly what it's supposed to do, and it's not it's not spicy, but it's making up for Monday. They clearly heard the entire wrestling universe be like, eh, okay, sure, it was fine, but that was it. You know, it, they 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 needed to do something just to make it a little more punk and a little less, you know, happy to be here. He did he did happy to be here on the Saturday show, and that was fine. And it, it, again, you said it was campy. Um, so this is what happened. Uh, Phil Lindsay had retweeted someone who said that the the crowd didn't react at all to his comment about the the can't punch anyone in 2023. And I said this was kind of my point on in the weeds when CM Punk came back said a lot of WWE fans aren't paying attention to backstage stuff, let alone backstage stuff in a company that they may not be following. The punk that is in WWE right now isn't recently fired from AEW CM Punk. It is 10 years removed from WWE CM Punk. And when he made the reference to punching someone backstage, he relayed it to what's going on in WWE, where KO, where Kevin Owens had just punched two guys backstage in the face. You can't do that was a good if you know you know, while still referencing something that's in WWE canon. I thought it was actually very, very smart. And it was walking the line without going too far. It was cute. And to me, that's why I was fine with it. I am looking at Punk through the lens of, I'm like the, the uh, 10 years away from WWE. I'm not looking at it through the lens of I got fired from AEW and now I have an ax to grind that could come out later. But for now, the way they want you to see him is I left WWE. I've mended fences, but I'm also a much better wrestler and a much more important wrestler than I was 10 years ago when I left. And that's the character we're trying to get here with CM Punk. What were your thoughts on Friday? The line that didn't get a big reaction wrong audience for it oh yes you do that line in chicago that hits you you do that line in in new york it hits toronto bizarro world it hits providence rhode island on a tribute to the troop special not the audience for that line that was very much like you said like "Ah, okay it got the internet popping and everything like oh he said the thing but like that audience did not care. And I don't even think it was a, I mean, it clearly was a, a thing of, um, of uh, how many in the audience actually know about AEW, how many of the audience actually follow backstage stuff. I'll give you this AEW when it, they had the big backstage talent meeting. I don't even remember. It was like the first one. It was like a thing that it was like, oh, the first one. And the acclaimed came out, and Caster says the line of, of of having a backstage talent meeting. I was there in the building for this, so it had to be like Pittsburgh or Ohio or something. No one reacted to this line. It's like, AEW has a pretty online fan, but no one cared about this stuff. This just wasn't the, the market 
for it. I'm pretty sure it was an Ohio show. It was probably a Cleveland show. This wasn't the market for it. And that's what it was. Yeah, it was also like more self-deprecating than like a shot at anything. It was like, yeah, I did kind of punch people in the face. Like, uh, who does that? Ha ha ha. Here's what I liked about this promo. I don't know if spicy. That's Pascal Siakam basketball reference. I don't know if it was spicy. It was purposeful. And I liked that it had a purpose. He talked about, he, he mentioned all the names you would want him to mention. Why he might get along with them. Why he might not get along with them. Why he should sign with this brand. Why he shouldn't sign with this brand. And his end goal was, I'm coming after that main event spot. Don't slip up or get got coming after that WrestleMania 40 main event spot. It was purposeful. And I liked that. I saw a lot of people comparing it to the collision return promos. Like, oh, it wasn't better than the collision promo. It wasn't better than this. Or it was better. It wasn't better. The collision promo, he had the audience more engaged because of Chicago, right? He delivers this same promo in Chicago. He's probably getting similar reactions. They it's punk in Chicago. They're going to react. The cl- What did I say about the collision promo at the time, Joel? You might not remember. I'll, I'll catch you up. I liked it because he it was clearly engaging and it was just punk kind of being CM Punk and stuff. But what I said at the time was, what does this mean? What is the purpose of this? And what turned out to be the purpose of that fucking promo, Joel? Nothing. Because he had this red bag which we knew was the world title because he alluded enough to it. And then when he eventually did that reveal, the real world champion, the current world champion, did give a shit about it to the point that he didn't acknowledge it at all. He took shots at the Bucks to set up no feud, no match with the Bucks. He, he took, and then he just said, basically, I'm CM Punk. I'm going to come out here and you're just going to have to, nobody's taking my spot. I'm one Bill Phil, blah, 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 blah. There was no purpose to that. It was a good promo. It was an engaging promo, but as a television standpoint, it didn't lead to anything. It didn't lead to anything. That's it. At least with this, not only is it going to hopefully lead to something where that that promo on Collision, as we talked about at the time, we didn't know if it was going to lead to anything because the Bucks' relationship with Punk was not good at that time to where he should be taking these shots. With this promo, one, it'll hopefully lead to something. Two, they did the backstage segments. Hey, here's Punk and Cody. Here's Punk and Orton and LA Knight. Here's Punk and, and Owens. They did the backstage segments. It was good. It was very good. The collision promo. Uh, Jeff Valley Travers saying it led to him getting fired, I guess. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, that, that was the thing. It was He came out and the collision promo was different because it was an airing of grievances more than it was anything else whereas the promo on friday was okay i've caught up with what i missed these are important people i want to fight them even the ones that might not want to fight me in the ring in a wrestling match not punch in the face backstage these are people that i you know i still want to uh have engagement with and kevin owens was a prime example of that that was the idea of just going and telling a story and having a story to tell. And this is why I go back to this, this version of punk in WWE works because he's just there to tell the stories and have the matches. He's not there to run anything other than his own 
work and he has people to work with, whether that's talent, producers, writers, whatever, there is a team there for him to work with and therefore it's collaborative. CM Punk seems like, can't tell you for sure, seems like a collaborator and he wants to have a good story that yes, it revolves around him. It's his creative, it's his story, but it has multiple people taking it from different angles and working on it with him. That's what works here. In AEW, that didn't necessarily exist. And if he was just told, you know, go out and, and talk. Here's a microphone. Go do what you do best. That doesn't always work. And that's kind of what the collision promo was. It was him going out and trying to, to shoot himself into a work, which he tried multiple times. And the people that he was trying to get into a work with were like, no, we don't want to do that. And that was that. So now he comes out on Friday. He mentions everyone that he wants to work with. And like you said, Jeremy, he appears on screen with everyone he just said he wanted to work with and will be interacting with over the next four months at least. And then this Monday, tonight, in Cleveland, where he told Vince McMahon to stick it up his ass and left the company 10 years ago, he's going to come out, maybe reference that, and then also say, you know, I'm, I'm signing with Raw and it's poetic justice because we're mending fences that I do it in the building where I said I was done. Well, I'm not done, and I'm going to go and be in the Royal Rumble, and I'm going to win, and blah, 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 and we're going to go to WrestleMania. Or it's going to be he challenges Seth to a match at the Royal Rumble, and we have the entire holiday season plus January to get there. So, again, I'm more invested in the story now than I have been, you know, since Monday when people were like, well, that wasn't much. Monday made sense, by the way. The last Monday's Raw, the the, the five-minute mission statement promo, it made sense. They if he had come out and said the things that he said on Friday, but last Monday, that would have felt way too soon because people were still feeling good and people were still excited to see him back. Now we had a full week. People were processing. Some people were happy. Some people were not. And everyone had their feelings about how the promo was on Monday and what he should or shouldn't be. And I'm sure people were listening and relaying that back and forth. And then they made it their own. And I think that's why Friday's promo was a lot stronger. It's because they had the feedback. And that's something that, you know, that both companies do is that they do see the feedback and they implement it based on what's going on in their company at the time. And that's what happened on Friday. People were mad about Monday's promo because they sat through all of Raw and then they got five minutes of punk. That's why people were mad. And if they subscribed to Fightful Select, the best five bucks in the business, they would have seen the entire rundown that said CM Punk last segment, Seg 16, CM Punk. And it was going to be five minutes. People tweeted, tweet at me. What do you want to talk about the power of social media? Tweet at me when CM Punk is on. And people would have done it. Instead, yes, people got angry. People got mad because they couldn't... Uh, they couldn't find the, the the rundown that's readily available everywhere. It is, I don't know the word for it, ironic, dumb, silly, hilarious. Wrestling, so it's dumb, but it's okay. <laughs> the people that were mad that sat through all of Raw are your, your online fans, right? Because those are the only people complaining because they're online. So they were mad that they sat through all of Raw and all they got was the, oh, I'm home comment. Those are the same people who, when Punk says the, the punching line, are like, it got no reaction. It's like, yeah, it's all the same audience. The the, the fans that were happy, that, that were probably like satisfied with the, I'm home, I got to see CM Punk on Raw, that's the same fans that weren't reacting to the, the punching in the face 
line. That's the larger audience of fans here, not the online fans who are, let me complain because I sat through three hours of Raw for I'm Home. Haha, look, CM Punk gets no reaction when he says this AEW line. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, it's just it's very all stupid. Stay offline. Tell people. Stay go, go, just watch this show. But watch this yeah. show. Get your, get the good news from us. Get the good chat from us. You, we'll catch you up on what people are saying. That's very silly on the internet. Chat, uh, <laughs> I watch yeah, me the right. suckers. Oh, yeah, you can also catch up. Do do what Steven Jensen does. Catch up on socials, okay? It's catch up on socials and by doing a show with Jeremy Lambert where you can ask Jeremy the questions of what happened on Raw that Monday night and he'll let you know. Yeah, that's basically what he does. He's, he's like, I don't know, what happened on Raw? What are we talking about? Watch this segment. Okay. I'll there you go. Segment. And then we talk about it. Or you guys talk about it. I watch it. You know. yeah. all, all I want to do is sit in that that big chair behind me that has an Ernie doll on it now that my, my in-laws got for my child. All I want to do is sit in that chair and play video games and not watch wrestling. But I can't because my days revolve around mornings talking about wrestling with you and then evenings watching the wrestling that we eventually then have to talk about. You don't have to do this show, Joel. I like doing this show. Okay. I don't like watching wrestling. We've already established how this works. Fair. Fair. Um, we have Punk tonight. Tonight on WWE Raw. I'm with you that he's probably going to be like, you know, 10 years ago, I left WWE Raw, was supposed to be at this building. 10 years later, I'm back on Raw, and I feel like he's going to sign with Raw. That's, that's yeah. my guess. Makes perfect sense. If he goes to SmackDown, it'd be hilarious. Randy just being like, hey, what the hell, man? <laughs> what, what? I thought we did this to get me away from him. What the hell is this? <laughs> It seems like for for now, you know, who knows? Plants can change. People can change. If you're not changing after 10 years, then what are what are we doing? He's doing well. He's playing nice. Everybody's happy. I really like the Cora Jade segment from NXT. I know it's a digital exclusive, but like him running into to Cora Jade uh, and telling her he's proud of her and April's proud of her and she should be proud of herself. That was a sweet little moment, even though Cora Jade is a is a prick on television he's so. a bad guy what is it yeah. oh my god can i just we're gonna talk about deadline in a minute because I, I thought there was a lot of really good stuff there but when izzy dame made her appearance and they shut the the cage door on roxanne perez and she just says it is what it is i was <laughs> laughing i was howling of all the things you could say that's the line you go with <laughs> i respected it I respect it. It is what it is. I love it. it was Absolutely love it. Go back and find it because it's it's going to be memed forever in like the wrestling diva stand community because it was it was a moment in time. <laughs> it ruled. It ruled. Deadline was a good show. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how much you, you ended up rewatching of it. I, I watched at- I watched okay. all of it last night for the first time because obviously okay. Saturday I was at uh, Impact. So I, I thought I thought it was a good show. Um, I like the men's iron survivor challenge. I, you can't do this every year, um, because it'll, you can do the match every year, but the, the finish, the way they booked it where trick Williams had no falls with like two minutes left and then ended up winning it. Um, I liked that because like I was sitting there as a viewer and I, I saw trick Williams at zero with like two, three minutes left. I'm like, 
what? I thought Trick was getting a push. Like, what are they? He has no falls in this. And then he gets the four quick falls. Like, oh, that's really good. That was good how they did the, the quick little comeback story there. Braun Breaker coming in, running, running through people and everything. I, I, I like the Iron Survivor Challenge. I don't know how you feel about it, Joel, but I, I like it. I like the Iron Survivor Challenge. I think it's a cool little concept. And uh, yeah, Trick Williams winning it. Comes out, confronts Dragunov at the the end. Mello's coming up behind him. And also now Mello is in the U.S. title tournament where we were both wrong uh, on that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't like it. I, I would have liked Tyler Bate because that was going to be a call up. I, Axiom Frazier may have been a call up. All right, let's go, talk go about that in a minute. Right. Let's, let's talk about that in a sec. I do want to go back and just talk about the, the Iron Survivor Challenge. So I, I largely agree with what you were saying. With with You can't do that every year. But Trick was the right guy to do that with in the Men's Iron Survivor Challenge, where you have him basically run and like get all of these random pinfalls towards the end of the match. Excuse me, I'm about to cough. But when he does that, he because he had built up this like he's look at who he's in the ring with. He's in the ring with a lot of former champions and a lot of like experienced wrestlers, and he was the least experienced of the bunch. Like even Josh Briggs is a former evolved champion, you know, just, I know, I know, but I'm speaking in terms of like experience and having one, he won, like, again, Briggs is a former tag team champion too, both UK and Maine. So the idea here is that trick won the North American championship for all of four days, whereas everyone else in that ring has been some, some sort of champion somewhere for an extended amount of time. So it made perfect sense to come out and have him be the ultimate underdog, even though he doesn't look that way. And he has just a hell of a run, ends up winning in the most ridiculous of ways. And it was the same. And then on the women's side, we'll talk about that in a second. I like the way they did that too, because they made Blair Davenport look like a real asshole. And it was perfect for her and the way that they played out the last few minutes. But yeah, Trick got it. The timing was right. Everything worked out. And it was it was really well told. Uh, the Do you want to talk about the women's or do you want to talk about Mello real quick? I want to talk about Dijak, who ain't on shit. Poor Dijak. Because you said that he all these former champions. He's one Dijak, of Ring of Honor. Dijak's a former Ring of Honor World Television Champion, is he not? According to who? According to Christopher Dijak, Dominic Dijakovic. Hold on, we're going to look this up. I, I'm telling you you're wrong because I have it pulled up right now. Dijak never won the Ring of Honor. Oh, okay, he didn't. Fine, whatever. Dijak is his Dijak. He's massive. He's T-Bar. T-Bar is oh, the, the greatest you. championship anybody could ever win. Holding the title. Yeah, he is the T-Bar title. Yes, the T-Bar title. <laughs> Either way, everyone there has had some sort of accomplishment in NXT. Except and, and Dijak. <laughs> <laughs> Dijak has the name change down. He's had multiple names in WWE. He's been Dominic Dijakovic. He's been Dijak. He's been Chris Dijak, he's been Chris Dijakovic, and he's been T-Bar, the most important one of all. So there you go. T-Bar. T-Bar. T-Bar? Could you imagine going into a bar and just being like, T-Bar? And him being like, yeah, you know, buddy. But now he'd probably punch you in the face. That's just who he is. Uh, So Trick wins, he gets the... Eiffel Select subscriber, T-Bar. That's right. Posted the article himself. Good on him. Oh, I'll spoil the show for myself. Um, Yeah, so now we're going to get Trick versus 
the NXT champion Ilya Dragunov uh, at New Year's Evil on January 2nd. And that's exciting. I'm looking forward to that. And then on the women's side, we, we made reference to it. Flash Legend had a great showing. Uh, Blair Davenport won to personally not – I wasn't surprised by that. Uh, it made sense considering you've got Lyra Valkyria, who's very much the uh, the baby face, and the most heelish heel you've got right now is Blair. It was her time to shine. They wanted to do something with her months ago, but I think it was – injury or visa one or the other kept her away for a little while and now she's back and now there's an opportunity for her again i love the end of the match where she's rolling out of the ring and staying away from everyone and she's just got the last fall and she wins i thought that was really well done it was a good good iron survivor match probably the last good idea in terms of match structures that wwe has had uh stipulations i should say is the iron survivor challenge Blair winning was was the right call because Lyra, you know, big baby face coming off the the Becky stuff. Blair is the mystery assailant NXT attacker. Uh, we had Nikita return on Tuesday. Now Cora's back, so you're, you're not only you're not only establishing your next challenger and Blair, you're establishing feuds branching from that as well with with Cora Jade and uh, Nikita Lyons. Um, the returns as well. So I thought that that was good stuff. That was a good show overall. Um, you know, Mello and, and Lexus King was, was like fine. The, the, the cage match, I, I wasn't super into that either. I was a little confused or maybe not, maybe not confused, but when we saw the report from Fightful Select, they were working on a few spots and they didn't really do any of them. That kind of led me to believe that whatever spots they had planned were either nixed or they said mm, maybe we shouldn't try this tonight whatever it is it just kind of got thrown by the wayside it, it wasn't a feud that uh, i don't think stipulated a cage match that's fair. Is, is is where i'm kind of with it because like the cage comes down and, and my, my wife doesn't watch nxt but she's like oh the main event's up now the cage match and i'm like i had to even like think for a second i'm like no, it, it's 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 a women's match. It's Roxanne and Kiana James, and like I had to think of like why is this a cage match? Like what do, what are we doing? Why is this? Why does this need to be in a cage? And then they do the the thing that I hate in cage matches anyway, where somebody interferes with the the door and Izzy Dame. It is what it is. Uh, you know, bonks her with with the cage door and stuff. So it, it didn't need a, it didn't need to be a cage. Yeah, the Roxanne Perez booking is uh something. I don't know what they're doing with her. And I've been saying like they were gonna put her on this renewed path, but I mean, are they waiting for Cora Jade to win the title in however many weeks? I have to assume it's the Vengeance Day sh- match is gonna be Cora versus Lyra Valkyria. And that'll be maybe the changing of the guard there. And then maybe by WrestleMania weekend for Stand and Deliver, you do Roxanne and Cora, which has been something they've been wanting to do, but then not doing, like pulling it back and forth. And maybe this is Roxanne gets the huge win at Stand and Deliver in Philly at WrestleMania weekend, yada, yada. And then out comes AJ Lee and she raises both their hands and says, I'm proud of both my girls. And I'm kind of saying this tongue in cheek, but like, is that what we're doing? Nah, that... That idea sucks. Maybe, back, maybe backstage AJ at least says these are both. Nah, Cora needs to beat the shit out of AJ Lee if she comes out. Okay, fine, honestly. let's do it. Like I, I don't, I don't need uh, everybody happy go lucky. Let's have a moment type of. Oh, thing. I agree. I agree. Give but I do like stories the idea. out of this. Yeah, but I do like the idea of doing 
Roxanne versus Cora Jade at Stand and Liver, which was something that honestly, I'm pretty sure I pitched last year too, and then it didn't happen. So, or maybe it was the SummerSlam, uh, whatever show they were doing. It was Heat Wave or whatever show they were going to do for that particular week. Um, but it would make sense if Roxanne Perez is your next big tentpole talent in NXT, it would make sense that she walks out with that NXT Women's Championship at their biggest PLE of the year, which is Stand and Deliver, where they have the most crossover audience as well, potentially. The Roxanne stuff has been weird. Jeff Fellow Driver said it's been trash and it's the depression angle. And like, yeah, it, it is. It, it has been like that story made sense, but then it was she doesn't overcome and she just loses and she continues to lose. Like, I hope they don't, ah, she's going to be so depressed. She's a bad person now. Cause I don't think that sends a great message. This is why trying to blend reality and these real life themes into wrestling rarely work because wrestling's not good at understanding this stuff. Even if the people who want to do it have good intentions, wrestling just don't, doesn't do it well. They just don't. And, and we like how many examples do we have of the past just months of this? Jeremy, if like, I had a roll of quarters for every time they failed, don't leave me story. Like it, it just it doesn't work. Um so so yeah, it, it is it's not it's not great with the uh the Roxanne the Roxanne stuff. Hopefully they got an idea. Like she's young, you know, she's she's young. I I don't like it when people are like this person's misused, this person's buried, blah, 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 blah. When like they're 21 years old and they have a long career ahead of them type of thing. But at the same time, like you also got to know what you have in the moment and they have something with Roxanne and they ain't doing a whole lot with her right now. Don't worry, Jeff. We're going to talk about that segment you're mentioning in the chat. Soon talk about Car- Carmelo. I want to, I want to get to, yeah, we'll get there. I just want to yeah. get to these uh, super chats. Will Chisholm sent one saying as a person who went through NXT 2.0, I'm happy for Trick Williams. He's crazy over now and I'm happy Lash looked good. Also, absolutely. The, the 2.0 experiment as a whole didn't work, but as an idea of, we need better synergy and better character development for our wrestlers, that part worked, but 2.0 as, as, as it was, was just not good. <laughs> I'm glad that they've moved forward from that, but they've kept little things that have worked for them. Uh, there you go. And then, uh, Will Chisholm also said, I'm ready for Cody versus CM Punk with their promos popping themselves saying AW stuff to each other. I am looking forward to Punk and Cody, not necessarily doing two inside baseball, but talking about like biting off more than they can chew or preferring to be wrestlers or, you know, EVP comments, just Nothing salacious, just more fun tongue-in-cheek stuff. If I don't do know it, if they do it, because I don't yeah. need to see like, oh fuck AEW. Like I and I very rarely drop F bombs on the show, but like I don't need that. I don't need to, but I wouldn't mind a funny comment here and there. Because like they do it in AEW with WWE stuff all the time, and sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's not. I like it when it's funny. I don't know if Cody is gonna be like, let me I don't think Cody wants to take a shot at the Bucks or anything like that. Like he, he still got friends over there. Cody does. I mean, I know Punk has friends over there, but not. I don't know how much friend crossover they're having, type of thing. Um, so I don't know if Cody Cody will poke fun at his time as being an EVP, and maybe that's where it comes. Less of like the Bucks. I don't think we're gonna see CM Punk being like. 
of all of all the people over there, you were the one that could manage a target. You know, I don't think we're gonna get a line like that from from CM Punk. That's you know because they'd just be like, oh, well, maybe not Target, but I think you would do really well at a Walmart, <laughs> where you can exclusively find the best WWE figures now available, <laughs> or the Kmart or wherever it is that uh, they chill whatever you need them to chill. Unless right. it's a Stardust figure, at which point Plus, he will hide it. <laughs> nah, he'd chill that. Did you not see that? No, I did. I did. did. But... Okay, good. I want to make sure that was that was very funny. That was a little moment that he, if you know, you know, it was very good. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Mello got announced last night by Shawn Michaels in a digital exclusive that uh, he will be the uh, the NXT entrant into the U.S. title tournament. A lot of people are are excited about this. And I understand the reverse sentiment that, okay, it's an NXT star joining this tournament. Is it really going to mean anything? Or is he going to get, is it going to be a storyline beat? Or is Mello really going to go far into this thing? Like what? What's the importance here, if any? What did you think when you saw the uh, the video that Melo is joining the uh, the SmackDown U.S. title tournament? I'm I'm happy for Melo. I, I I don't think it's it's bad that he's part of this, but I'm a little just confused, and I'll let it play out. But Melo wasn't going to be my choice because it does seem I don't think an NXT person is winning. And so if they're not going to win it, I wouldn't have one of my top guys who's involved in the biggest angle, the biggest story on NXT right now being randomly thrown in this tournament just to like lose. Cause remember when like Mello lost to Finn Balor, when Mello was the champion and like good match and everything, but like, was that necessary? Did that really accomplish anything? So if Mello goes out there Facing Grayson Waller makes sense because he beat like they have history in NXT. Mellow's two and zero against him in singles matches. It's like okay, this is this is a match that like makes sense and everything. But like if he's just gonna go up there to lose to Grayson Waller, and by the way, I thought whoever they were gonna have for this tournament was gonna lose to Grayson Waller. I thought that was kind of the point so they could set up the Waller and Owens match. Um, so Mellow just going up there to lose to Grayson Waller is a uh, kind of a ha moment for for me what if owens costs waller the match and then we get okay but then is is kevin owens losing to austin theory what if waller costs owens the match ah fuck that i don't want austin theory winning shit (laughs) i mean you eventually you might have to do it and then you have mellow beating uh austin theory Right, because that's that would be the next step on that. I don't, I'm, I'm not looking at the brackets. Yeah, that's is, what would, it would be. You put Mello to the finals, have Mello have a strong showing, and then play out whatever you need to play out with the who took out Trick Mill. Trick, excuse me, but, Trick then, but who who do we think wins this tournament? Logan Paul's the champion. Kevin Owens made the most sense to like win this tournament. Okay, I gotta pull it up. Is is Bobby Lashley the only person we're not talking about right now? Lashley and Escobar advance on Friday, but like neither of them make a lot of sense as Logan Paul's next challenger. Yeah, I do agree with that. (sighs) Like unless Austin theory is for some reason going to win this thing. And then Logan Paul beats him in two seconds, which 
be hilarious, but that's a shitty way to get to an Austin Theory and Logan Paul match. So this is a very important question because the last two weeks, Bobby Lashley has not been portrayed as a heel. He has very much been portrayed as a babyface. It made sense on Friday because you had tribute to the troops and Bobby has uh, a past with the armed forces and that's been talked about for forever with Bobby Lashley. And and so does, uh, I think Montez Ford does as well, does he not? Yes. Yeah, yeah, so it made sense on Friday for them to play into that, and the troops would then, you know, they would support their guy. Um, but the week before that, when Bobby came out, they were cheering for him too. So Bobby Lashley versus Logan Paul, that's an interesting matchup. Like that's at the Royal Rumble, if Lashley, no one's expecting Lashley to be, you know, winning the Rumble, and he could pull double duty if they wanted him to. So I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind Lashley versus uh versus logan paul that's a fun matchup it's different and then logan paul has to break the uh the the lashley finish <laughs> yeah that's a that's a weird match like i don't, I don't think it'd be bad or anything because logan does what he does very well and lashley's good that's not your typical logan paul match that that would that's a very stylistic change for logan i'd be very interested to see how that looks um i do think lash is a baby face by the way because i think karen cross is a heel so i'm just gonna play the odds here and say lashley's a baby face yeah and i would be i think i would be invested in a carmelo hayes versus bobby lashley matchup in the finals especially if Mello puts up a good fight and lashley beats Mello. Mello, who is closer in build and size to logan paul and then you can yeah. tell the story of like, is this what's going to happen? You know, at the Royal Rumble, after it, it, let's say Lashley wins, it goes all the way, beats Carmelo. And I think a lot of people would be okay with that because Lashley is tenured, powerful. People like him. Like it's, if, if it works, it works. And people wouldn't be upset that Melo had a strong showing. He doesn't need to win the entire thing if he goes up and loses to in the finals to a guy like Lashley, who then goes on to have a match with uh, Logan Paul. I'm, I think Melo's got to beat Grayson. That's my biggest thing right right off the bat is Melo has to at least beat Grayson. And then looking at the next round, fuck, he shouldn't lose the Austin theory. I'm okay if Melo beats Grayson, has a competitive match with Kevin Owens and loses. Don't love it, but they, they love to do the competitive match stuff doesn't hurt you too much. So I'm I'm okay with that. And then I'm okay if if Lashley beats if Melo does beat Austin Theory and then loses to Lashley in the finals in a competitive match. I'm okay with that as well. My two biggest fears are losing to Grayson Waller in the first round because if you're going to do that, just fucking call up anybody and right. have them lose yeah. that match or losing to Austin Theory because if you're going to do that, just call up anybody and lose to, to Austin Theory. I don't think it should be an established NXT guy, a former NXT champion, a person who is involved in the biggest storyline in NXT right now. Nathan Frazier, Axiom, accomplishes the same thing that Carmelo Hayes accomplishes in that role. But if you want to give Carmelo a national television rub since these matches are on SmackDown, you want him to beat Waller, have a competitive match against Kevin Owens and and lose, beat Waller, beat Theory, have a competitive match against Lashley and lose. 
a little more sold on that. Yeah, I think I like that we've kind of talked around the ideas of this tournament being more than just KO running the gauntlet and winning. Uh, there is more to the Kevin Owens, Austin Theory, Grayson Waller thing. I think they will do a two-on-one match, or maybe KO gets a friend. Maybe KO's friend is CM Punk. <laughs> what if, what if, before Melo's match on SmackDown, oh, that's he right. is laid out. Okay, by Trick? Who done it yeah. now? Oh no, not who, Lexus King. Who attacked now Carmelo Hayes on SmackDown? I would actually, sorry, I'm going to go back to what I just said. I know I just joked CM Punk. You want Mellow Mello and KO versus Waller in theory because Mellow will have been fully involved in all of this tomfoolery. And he could just be like, I don't like the way you're playing my friend KO. I want to beat your, you know, I'm going to beat your ass, Waller in theory. KO in theory, sorry, KO and uh, and Mellow versus Waller in theory around the uh, the holiday season. They're doing this tournament for the holiday season, Joel. When does this? When does the tournament end? Well, they're doing more semifinal matches, or yeah, I guess semifinal. I mean, let me look at my my handy dandy calendar here. So December fifteenth is uh is the two matches this week. December twenty second, I assume, is the finals. Are they doing a show December 29th? Is there a live SmackDown December 29th? They'll probably do a taping, won't they? Like a double tape? I think that's what Maybe. we reported. Maybe. So well, the no, finals... The road. Come- no, because they're, they're doing the holiday tour, so they could they could be live. I don't know. Let me double check. Okay. So the finals could be December 29th. The finals could be January 5th, the first SmackDown of the new year. They haven't like established when the finals are, as far as I know. So they're in, they're in Vegas on the 29th, but it's a, a house show. So they're probably going to double tape on the okay. 15th, which is this Friday for the 15th and the 22nd. And then we're a week off. Huh? I don't know what's going on there. Maybe they're taping. They're not going to tape three weeks. I don't think they're going to tape three weeks. Then you got New Year's Evil, though, on January 2nd. And that theoretically is going to be a big beat in the Mellow and Trick storyline because Trick is challenging for the title against Dragunov. There is a holiday tour. It starts on the 26th, please. Yeah, they always do the MSG show after. Yeah, there's MSG. They're doing Vegas because I saw that. That's on the 29th and there's a whole other bunch of shows. It's just the live holiday tour here. I'll, I got it open. So New York, Baltimore. It's This is day after. Oh, they're doing two shows on, one, uh, on the 26th. New York and Baltimore. 27th is two shows, Boston and Detroit. The Thursday, the 28th is in Houston. The 29th is Vegas. The 30th is Inglewood, California. And then they're in San Diego for Raw on the Monday. All right. So I don't know when you're going to do this tag team match that you're you're over here pitching, Joel. Well, you got all of January at that point. So <laughs> going into the Mello's going to be Mello's going to be very involved in the, the trick stuff at that Maybe point. Not for a few weeks. I mean... It's, it's uh, January 2nd is New Year's Evil. I that's understand that. And Dragunov. That's I a big know. beat. Is that when you is that when you reveal it? Or is like again, it's a it's a plane ride. You show up and you either tell the story or you find out that it wasn't actually Mellow and it's somebody else. I don't know who. Mellow makes Mellow makes a lot of sense, but also, you know, does it have to be Mellow? Could it be just descent, more descent, but you can't play around with that too? You long. gotta at some point you gotta pay this thing off like 
I don't know how much longer they're going to try to get away with because theoretically, I don't know if Trick's going to win the title at New Year's Evil. I don't. But mm-hmm. I think the stand and deliver match is Trick and Mellow. So you still got a ways to get to there on this. So you're, you're, I don't know how long you can prolong. Okay, here's the attacker. Because you still got to do other beats in the story to get to the, the title match to, to get to stand and deliver. Okay, I got it. So, so the attacker, the attacker is the devil from AEW because they have the new shirt, the I am him shirt. So really the devil takes off his mask. It's Carmelo Hayes. He is now on SmackDown. He's on AEW programming. He's on NXT. He is everywhere. And he took out everyone the acclaimed he took out jay white he took out a trick it all started with trick it all started with trick and then then, then now we got to play everything out mellow's gonna be busy in 2024 good for him he is he's gonna be working five days a week basically. Damn. listen there's gonna be no house shows so you may as well get him on the road elsewhere yeah. he's on all the shows bless him but yeah they gotta they gotta play off whatever the who attract uh, uh trick williams gimmick is they got to get through that because like you said they can't wait on it too long i i guess we'll see when it comes to how they're going to utilize mellow in this tournament i will either be very mad on i guess next monday's show uh depending on how they are booking um you know this friday show with mellow and and grayson waller tune in next monday to see how mad I am. It could be that I'm not mad at all because Mello wins and like advances. And I'm just like, Oh yeah, good call. Good call. I think they're going to run Mello to the finals. Uh, I, I really, I do believe that just because I, everything we talked about, it feels like the KO Waller and theory stuff. They're all going to cancel each other out somehow with Mello in the middle of it. And Mello is going to benefit from that story. Get to the finals, lose to Lashley, Lashley versus Logan Paul at the, uh, at, at the pay-per-view for the title. And that has some merit, Lashley and Mello, because remember that weird backstage, not weird, uh, but that backstage right. segment. Yeah. 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 yeah the, the photo, but they're also, I'm, maybe I'm misremembering and just only thinking of the photo. There was, remember when all the SmackDown people were, or all the NXT people were on SmackDown because they were in like Florida and stuff. And there was that little backstage with yeah. Mello and, yeah. and Lashley and everybody. And Trick so, like, and everyone. Yeah. 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 You, yeah, can, you can play that up too so and and then the respect is there because it's two baby faces going after it you have the competitive match that we just talked about and lashley wins raises mellow's hand and says if you want in if this is mellow's full-time call-up that's the other thing too we're talking about the who who attack trick thing that's where you have to be careful with what's going where lashley could be like when you're ready i'm ready for you and you can join us i'm okay if that's the the route they go if they they fucking have mellow loose to austin theory. if austin theory wins a single match in this tournament i'm gonna be very mad online as one should be very very mad online all right there's some super chats i'm gonna read this super chat because we do have we're gonna uh, talk more aew stuff with a angle people are not happy with uh yeah. with all the talk about aw's promotion marketing do you guys think operating out daily's place for a year riding out the wave from all out 2021 signings left a neglected hole in aw's logistics no because they were doing good stuff coming out of all out and then for a chunk of last year um i don't know what i tweeted this 
and and I stand I stand by it. I stand by all my dumb tweets. But this was actually this one wasn't dumb. This one was legit. Winter is coming is on Wednesday. I said on this show after Sting's retirement tour when we were trying to plot out like, oh, when is Sting going to wrestle? I'm like, oh, well, you got to have the match at Winter is coming. You're in Texas. They're always in Texas. Winter is coming is synonymous with Sting because that's when he debuted for the promotion. You got to have a Sting match on this show. Not only is Sting not having a match, which a little bit explainable because all of his matches have featured Darby Allen. Darby, I believe, is doing Everest stuff right now, so maybe they don't do that. But they're not even advertising Sting right now. That's baffling to me that they don't have a Sting appearance locked in for Winter is Coming. Like There, there should be a, a huge appearance for Sting. That sh- it should be promoted long before two days right now. Long before two days on this. And then the rest of like AEW um, logistics and, and marketing and stuff, they, they used to do a good job with this stuff. I don't know what happened. I do think th- losing Cody Rhodes was a bigger blow than just on television because I think Cody and it's been proven through his interviews and just through the work, do the work. Cody does a lot of shit that goes beyond bell to bell and television red light to television red light. Cody does a lot of backstage stuff, a lot of coordinating, a lot of media, a lot of extra work that some wrestlers, not all wrestlers want to do right now. And I think QT Marshall was doing a lot of that stuff right now. And now he's out. And I don't know who's replacing for a lot of that. I don't know if Christopher Daniels, if that's part of his role in coordinating that. I know they have a media relations department who gets who in order and everything. But sometimes you do need a wrestler to lead by example on that. And right now Jericho is probably the guy leading by example. But Jericho, even in media, is part of the Jericho universe. And I will say this, Chris Jericho is very much like he does a good job of promoting and does a good job of like getting stuff out there. The problem is, is it, it's Chris Jericho and that always doesn't play in the best light when he's just run his own podcast. And one podcast is, Hey, cool. Here's a wrestler interview. And the next podcast is conspiracy theories where you say some stuff. <laughs> it's true. I was listening to him uh, talk to Frankie Kazarian, by the way. It was a really good interview they did. And going back to why Solable asking about running Daly's Place for a year, uh, Kazarian and Jericho had a long conversation about the Daly's Place time. And he said that was a seminal time for AEW's development because everyone was basically stuck together because it was a pandemic. No one was coming in. They couldn't have fans, or at least if they did, there were very few fans. And everyone, they were taping late into the night multiple times in a day. Like it was a very busy time that everyone was around each other. They talked about the fourth floor crew where everyone would go up to the fourth floor of Daly's place where they would have catering and, and drinks and stuff after the show. And everyone would be in their own little corners. Stuff like that was really cool. It kind of showed that they, they had that camaraderie and then things changed once they hit the road again, because I don't think AEW um, as, as a company and as a whole had that, that mentality of being on the road and operating on the road because they had spent so much time, 
more more time than they had been opened. They had spent more time at Daly's place running shows in one place at a time. So no, I don't think that they should stick at Daly's place, but it's worth saying that it was a helpful thing for their talent at the time on the winter is coming side of things. Their entire card is already up and posted on their socials. Like, you know how we pull from the, you know, they'll the, still announce stuff. With... They will, but like, this is already pretty much the usual setup of yeah. stuff. Like they've got the, the gold league matches. They've got page versus strong. We'll hear from Samoa Joe. We'll hear from the golden jets. Uh, and then Riho versus Ruby Soho is there. The Von Ericks are there. Basically, like everything is already on that card. There could be stuff added, like you said, but I don't think they're going to add Sting. And I agree, it's a little weird given the circumstances of the timing and where they are. That's such a big miss. And this is where AEW, even before the pandemic and then coming out of the pandemic, they didn't miss on this stuff. It's like, oh, this card, TK tradition, right? This card is in this town. This person's going to be there. This card is goes by this name. We're going to have definitely have this on the show. And not having Sting at Winter is Coming is a big, big miss. And uh, maybe do something on Rampage. Like that. That's that's Rampage. They did something on Rampage, and everyone was upset at the guy he said it with. <laughs> he didn't it's not say Winter- it. It's not winter is coming rampage. I do think SP three is a point of like purchasing ROH and no real plan on that. It's yep. also um, not only ROH, but the, the addition of collision as well. It's like you were running one television show a week at the beginning. Then you added rampage coming out of the pandemic. But for the most part, you were taping rampage with dynamite. So it wasn't that big of a hassle, but then you added collision collision nixed their um nixed their live events because they were they, remember the house rules they ran like two shows but they were going to run those on the weekends and they couldn't do those anymore because of collision so they didn't do weekend shows on that then you throw in ROH on there which honestly I think collision hurt more than ROH because ROH you now tape with collision or ROH you could have just kept doing at studio and everything the addition of collision seem to mess up a lot of the logistics. And then you have your collision team and your dynamite team. You don't go to the small towns anymore. We didn't talk about this, but you know, um, Mark Shapiro talking about like cutting out live events and like, you know, are those, do we need those, those B and C towns and everything? It's like, well, one, they're doing really well for WWE right now. I don't know if they're money losers uh, because it's still like cost to run all that stuff. I don't know if they're making money back, but like people, when you don't run big shows and you don't go to these small towns and you can afford to just run these smaller shows and these small, those have lasting impacts on, on people is like, Oh shit, they're coming here to, to North Dakota to run a show. This is cool. This is, this is the only time I might get to see them because they're in town. It's like, well, you ain't running no television show with North Dakota to draw 500 people. But for a live event show, sure. You can do it. What is this? WCW 1995. Adam Cole, Adam Cole, by the way, like was a go-to guy for interviews. I understand that. Um, but you got other people. The main, I've talked about this like uh, a million times on this show. The main people doing media for AEW have been like Soraya, Jericho, Paul White, Mark Henry, WWE people. Largely, what do they all have in common? Yeah, largely WWE people. And largely people that aren't heavily featured on television. There's no reason 
why Kenny Omega should not be doing more media hits. There's no reason why Ricky Starks should not be doing more media hits. And Ricky, Ricky does media. Kenny does media. They should be in the local. Miro has actually been doing a lot of local media. Lana, CJ Perry has been doing a lot of local media. Hey, I guess they want to use these people because it's like, you know them from WWE. But like, you got to get your own people out there and people who are actually, you're actually featuring on television way more. Danielson's been, does a lot of local media and stuff. Again, all WWE holdovers with what I assume the, the, the theory is, oh, well, they're former WWE people. They will be known to the local media. It's like, well, the reason they're known is because they were doing this media also with WWE. And so you got to put them out there. MJF does a lot of great media, usually when it's New York. I don't know why. It, what, would we, what would we talk about with, with the women's roster, Joel? Like, let's pick eight people, build around them. You pick five people who are relatively featured on television and you just put them and you have them do media. If they don't like it, tough shit. It's part of your job. It's part of your promotion. Now, here's the thing. If you pick those five people, they also have to be five people that are commonly featured on your yeah. television. Oh, I and said that's that. something that's, but I'm, but I'm saying sometimes with, with AEW, that doesn't stick around very long. And that is something that, you know, we've talked about and it's a frustration of a lot of people is that there's a lot of herky jerky stop and start when it comes to, to, to certain characters. And if you're trying to develop some new characters and develop some new talents, you can't have them on TV for two weeks and then have them cycled out for two months. You need to have them featured prominently week to week. And that's why I'm saying these five names that you pick, they have to be names that you continue to push and are on a journey and have some semblance of connection to the company and to the fans. Okay, well, Continental Classic, you know for six weeks these people are going to be involved. So John Moxley, Swerve, who does the these guys, by the way, are doing more of the bigger hit media, which is good. I don't know how it fully is in local media. I find a lot of local interviews and don't see these people doing that. Moxley, Swerve, and I think Jay White's actually good at media as well. Those are your three. There's three. Every single dynamite taping, you get one of them, two of them doing media rounds. On for the Saturday show, you have Danielson, Brody King. I think Brody King's actually good at media, by the way. I've listened to enough Brody King interviews to to know he's he handles himself very well. He's really good, yeah. Danielson, Brody King, Eddie. Eddie's good at media. Eddie might say some stuff that doesn't promote your product as well as you want to promote your product. Cause Eddie is very just like, watch the show. Don't watch the show. I don't give a shit. I'm going to be there beating somebody up. Like maybe you don't want that, but that's the charm of Eddie. Well, um, <laughs> well <laughs> yeah, the charm for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mox, does, Mox does media as well. Why Solable's asking Mox, Mox has done media uh, with our pal Ricochino who hosts the collision post show. And he does, he does a lot of local stuff too. Whenever they're in Ohio, uh, around oh, anytime they're they're in Ohio, they throw Mox out there every yeah. single time. And I think it's the only place Mox really wants to go out there. And not again, not everyone is needed for it, but you need to identify and work with those who are right for it for media appearances. Tony Storm would, would be great she as would. the character 
as well. Remember they had the fucking fiend doing the weather. That, that was, was amazing. <laughs> amazing. That got a lot of people upset, but a lot of people entertained. I loved that. That was so stupid. Like where, where are you going to see just like the, the character is like good. Like it's fine if they go on there and just they're their character. Like that can make for some really fun local hits. Like that, that's a Mark Briscoe, uh, the Briscoes, like they would do local weather for like ROH and stuff. And like, just imagine the Briscoes just doing these local spots. It ruled. It was hilarious. It's like, ah, these dudes, they're awesome. Like that's, you need kind of that stuff. So I, I think you can, you can do it. Yeah. There's a lot of talent there that want to do it would be really good at it. They just need to find whatever it is that brings them into it. Even, even if they don't want to do it you you got to you got to like i it's part of the job and i understand 100%. like this is what's that it's a hundred percent but also you can't we've done this before where we've been like yes it is part of the job but again you need to identify those people for whom it is 100 percent of the job and those who is 75 percent, basically the level of importance the evps you got a title you should be doing some media Britt yeah. baker understood that Hundred percent. You got a t- a physical title, title belt, or you have a title of executive vice president. You should be out there touting your wares and doing the doing the show. I don't care if oh I'm an EVP because I work merchandising. I'm the merch EVP. I don't give a shit. You're still on television. You're still a prominently figured, uh, prominently featured figure, and part of the company name is based on your faction or your group from where it came. Why the hell aren't you out there talking? What is this? Brett Baker understood when she was the champion that it was more than just like having this title. It was showing up. It was doing media. It was promoting. It was all of this. She got that. And that's why I thought she was a very good champion beyond what she brought to television at the time. Yeah. Uh, let's Ilya Dragunov. Sorry. sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Ilya Dragunov, NXT champion. He wasn't even the champion but he was going into the title match. He was doing media. I asked him about this. Like, is this something you want to do? Or is this something they basically ask of you? And he's like, Oh, it's largely they ask of me, but I understand the benefits of it. It's like, all right, cool. I appreciate the answer. It's like, I don't, Ilya Dragunov is not the first name that's going to come to mind. of like, yeah, NXT should have this guy doing media. And it's not anything against Ilya Dragunov. It's just like, you, you wouldn't think of him as a media guy just based on really his wrestling style and his promos and everything. You're not like, Oh yeah. Ilya Dragunov is going to go out there and be doing a bunch of media. He's well cut out for media, but it's like, no, I understand it's part of the job, something I got to do. And so I'm going to do it. So the same thing when they had Shotzi hosting Halloween havoc, she wanted to get out there. She wanted to be more present. They asked her to do it. She did a billion interviews with anyone who you know was available. Uh, let's get the super chat from Will Chisholm. When Cody was in AEW, he and Brandy did most of the media interviews and uh, more than the other EVPs to the point, to the point where some fans thought Cody was a co-owner to AEW. And it's true. And that was that's one of the benefits of someone like Cody and at the time Brandy as well was that they were out there, they were answering questions, they were good ambassadors. The other the other EVPs, going back to that, they, they should be ambassadors for the company beyond just the, the programs themselves. Let let the Bucks go out there and be dicks in the media. Like, I don't care if you're going to play a character. This new character that they bring out. Let's say they start a new heel character, whole new different Bucks, whatever. Maybe they cut their hair. I don't give a shit how they look. They come back. 
let that group go and do some media and be meta versions of themselves, do whatever they need to do, but put them out there, put them out in, in front of a microphone on a radio station, television station, media station, whatever talking about AEW. Kenny's very well-spoken, but by the way, uh, I, I tell people mentioning Kenny doing media. Kenny always comes off very well in interviews, like very, very well. I, I, I would have Kenny doing more media. I understand maybe like he likes doing like Twitch stuff and gaming stuff. Yeah. Go. I don't know. See, that's the thing is I don't care AW's who, place, but, but just go and do that entertaining, silly shit. And it gets you out there. Part of your gimmick. It's part of your gimmick. Just do it. Do, do a choke slam. Have Paul White come out and choke slam Jimmy Kimmel through a table. I don't give a shit. Be entertaining because you're supposed to be entertainers as well. Now this real wrestling, Joel. Real graps. That's on Fridays on oh, oh Thursdays, I guess. I'm watching of Honor for nine ninety nine on anyway. Uh, Chat Times says some of these new collision shows seem to be uh, seem to, uh, do seem to be in smaller markets. Uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, Edinburgh, Texas, uh, Bozier City. Louisiana, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to be in Ottawa in, uh, in March. Yeah. March 16th. And then that little town of Toronto will host dynamite. So yeah, exactly. Collisions getting uh, some, maybe some smaller towns. I don't know if that's part of a process or if that's just like, let's see, because collisions not as well known as the dynamite brand. It, maybe that's what's going on, but yeah, it's something worth, uh, worth noting. I think it's that. I think Saturday, it's going to be tough. Like AW is what it is. They're, they're drawing what they're drawing right now. You're at, you're asking fans in a bigger market to, to spend their Saturday at this show. I don't think it's a, it's a very appealing Saturday for, for people right now in like a New York or a wherever, like, you know, a bigger market. So that, that's, that might be why collisions run in a little bit smaller markets. Will I go to the Ottawa show? Like I said, Shit, if feeling is truly back. I will be at the Ottawa show. Is the feeling back? Are you going to watch Miro? No. I guess we got to talk about that, don't we? We don't have to. It's our show. Like No, but it's gotten enough traction that I think it's worth discussing. I do want to bring up the, uh, the Danielson and uh, Andrade match from Tuesday, aired on Saturday, uh, was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, again, yeah, Brian Danielson's good at wrestling. He's great at wrestling. And that's the thing. Like, uh, by and large, Collision had some really good wrestling on it. Uh, Chris Stylander, I don't know uh, what she was like. I'm not, I'm not critiquing her attire. But I'm saying when she came out and she looked entirely different than what I've seen her wearing in the last little while. And I thought that was, you know, an interesting development. She didn't look like the, the Chris Statlander alien that I've seen a lot of. So it was good. There was a lot of uh, a lot she of been interest. the alien in a while. She's been doing Zoolander. Costumes. Yeah, she's doing Zoolander and Ben Stiller movies. You're right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so then, what 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 Ben Stiller character was that? <laughs> no, she only breaks it out for uh, pay per views. Yeah, pay per views usually. Anyway, it was it was fine. And yeah, and, and Claudio and Eddie was a really good match. That was a lot of fun too. Uh, the finish. It's so strange that they're doing a lot of these roll up finishes, and it feels like they're trying to protect some people. But you could just have people lose, and it's a tournament. People can lose in a tournament that has no knockouts unless it's not knockouts. You know, you don't get knocked out unless you, you know, go under your points. Uh, yeah. Well, Claudio you know. can't lose. He's got a big ROH match this weekend. Yes. Huge tag match. Anyway, Miro. Uh, yeah. I'll let you, I'm going to let you pee this up because I watched it 
And I was just like, what are we, what are we doing here? And I saw some people talk about it. So good, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to disappoint you, Joel. I don't think it's good. I'm not interested in it. And I really don't care to talk about it because I don't find it to be good television and I don't want to see any of it. I think it's a dumb angle. I think the way they're trying to play it's dumb. And I basically just fast forward through it because, or I turn away and pay attention to other stuff, especially if on a Saturday when there's a three shows going on, because I don't think it it's any good. So if it's not good, I have no interest in watching it. Is it getting, I don't know. What's the heat here? What is the heat? Or also, okay, you know what? Let's go beyond this. Is Andrade leaving AEW? That's that's another question that's on the stock. Because if it happens that Andrade is potentially leaving, then are we are we pivoting really quickly because we know something's happening? We know Andrade's going to work CMLL, but of course, traditionally AEW talent is able to work other promotions and companies with with their agreements. But uh, yeah, what's what are we doing? What are we doing storyline wise? I know it's not good, and I know the promo got a lot of people feeling a certain way, and I get that. So where are we going and did we maybe go a little too soon? I think the only logical explanation is Miro and Andrade do have a match. And then depending on if Andrade is leaving, who wins and loses. And then Miro just come goes back with CJ Perry or CJ Perry is like, ah, this is my man. And it was all just manipulate. I, I don't know where it's going. Because like a lot of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, honestly. Like I, I kind of got the first part when CJ first came in and Miro was like, you're distracting, no. And then CJ is like trying to get his attention. And so, oh, let me have my client Action and Dreddy. And then Miro beats the shit out of Action and Dreddy. And now it's, oh, my client Andrade. But now she can't, Miro can't beat up Andrade. And Miro's just like, you're distracting, go back home to go do your thing in the house type of thing. And it's like, uh, yeah, I don't think CJ and like Andrade have any chemistry. Like I, I just don't think it's good. I don't know what else you want me to add. I don't think it's good and I'm not interested in it. Sangle has to do with three people who want to be in WWE. (laughs) Honestly, that's what it feels like. Is it just, it feels like I like the Miro redeemer stuff and worshiping his God and everything. Like, the second CJ got involved and I don't have anything against CJ. I actually think there's, there's value to her in, in wrestling as a manager, as a media person, like just doing a a lot of different things, but doing this, uh, another like love sort of just story with Miro when I've seen it done in WWE a bunch of times and it wasn't it wasn't good then, but at least it was campy enough then to where it's like, ah, okay, sure, haha. Like this is like trying to be serious, and it just sucks. Remember when it cost Miro an entire storyline in WWE? <laughs> I do, yeah. And and Jeff is right. Like like I just said, she doesn't have any chemistry yes. but with also, Andrade. She doesn't have it with Miro on screen either. That's the best part. Is sometimes, and by the way, this is, this this shouldn't be a shock to anyone. Uh, Sometimes you just don't have it. You don't have that chemistry on screen with a partner like you might in real life or vice versa. Like that does exist. That is a, that Becky is a and Seth had said this a million times when yeah. they got 
paired up. They were like, it was two different characters and it didn't work out on screen. And like, it just, we could not click on screen for whatever reason it was. It, it just did not click on screen. Cause a lot of times like two people are not comfortable being on screen of like, Hey, we're going to be on screen together, but we know we're on television. It's not natural on screen like that because you know you're on television again becky and seth is probably the easiest example to use on this they seem like they're, they're very happy they seem like they it, i listened to enough seth interviews enough becky interviews seems like they're a good time uh, you watch them in the the car road trip nonsense that wwe used to do you watch them there it's like all oh, these people are fun this is this is cool this is fun then you watch them on television like where the fuck are these people what is going on here like it happens. It's it happens. True. It's true. Um, <laughs> what do you think? Okay, chat. I'm asking you, and Jeremy, I'm asking you. Which match happens first? Miro versus Andrade or Swerve versus Keith Lee? <laughs> Swerve and Keith Lee ain't like ain't happening at all. That was the biggest takeaway from the Seth interview. That's right. Is when he was like, you know, what what happens? Uh, you know, what did you see her performance on Jeopardy? And he's like, no. I did. I didn't. She won't let me watch it. She won't let me watch it. And he's like, I respect that. I respect that. Seth said he'd be good at Jeopardy. I believe him. I believe him. He says he's got a lot of useless knowledge. <laughs> I got it. Oh, all right. You want to, you want to run down raw real quick? Yes. Do you have anything else you want to talk about from AEW? I don't know. Do you have anything to add with Miro? And C- I feel like I just dismissed it because it's not for me and I don't think it's good. And no, I'd that's, rather... that's fair. I'm in the camp of letting it play out. I think the promo was very stupid um if miro's trying to get you know european male misogyny heat then guess what you did it but i don't think that's very beneficial to anybody uh and if we're getting to andrade versus miro at world's end because the guess what miro said i'm not going to touch your boy until the end of the, the tournament well guess when the tournament ends and guess who might not be in the finals of the tournament so you set up miro and andrade then and if that's that great have the match and just get it over with hopefully it's good so uh yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't, I don't care for it. I saw a lot of the discourse, and I was kind of like, okay, well, it's just a shitty promo, and some people are feeling, rightfully so, offended by some of the words, you know, some of the things Miro said. They're trying to tell a story. It's not a very good story. So now we just have to quote unquote let it play out and see where it lands. Let it play out on Rampage. And I don't hate that because we talked about this Ortiz and Santana I, could have been a tentpole rampage long, not even long-term, but at least some sort of story. And you need to have that now rampage has become, this is what's really interesting to me. AEW is starting to find like what show is, which and rampage is almost becoming the Lucha show where they're having like one big Lucha style match on the show. And then everything else that surrounds it. And then dynamite, you've got your main characters and you know, collision, you've got your main characters there. Also, I got to tell you something. So for the first time, I watched the big bill running the, the, the cart into Chris Jericho's arm from full gear, the digital exclusive. First time I saw it was, was on collision. I never realized how poorly done that was. It looks like bill did it in slow motion because <laughs> he well, didn't want to hurt Jericho. No, you, you know, you, you go in slow motion. He might've, he still wants to beat Chris Jericho in the ring, you know, like he doesn't want to like fully incapacitate. The man he just wants to hurt him a little bit 
That's all. I, I disagree. You should be you should be trying to incapacitate your opponents at all time. Anyway, speaking of incapacitation, we got three hours of raw coming up on Monday, so we get to go sit. watch Rampage, or Brian Danielson will find your ass. You will. That's true. Confirming several reports and getting a lot of people angry in the uh, in the meantime. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Will CM Punk sign with Monday Night Raw? Yes or no? Breaking news, Joel Pearl. My God, here we go. I will be at Monday Night Raw tonight. If you happen to be at Raw, uh, come say hi. I will be wearing a 2022 Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche hat. So, you know, if, if you, somebody, uh, when I was at WrestleCade, someone was like, I didn't recognize you in the hat. And I was like, it, it was a Colorado Avalanche hat. There ain't gonna be too many people walking around with this hat. So if you see me, come say hi. And we'll, we'll take a mark photo. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm going to charge 50 bucks, 50 bucks. Smart. Someone approached me at uh, final resolution, by the way, and, and said that we uh, are, are great with our interviews. So uh, shout out to them. I paid that person. Probably that would make sense. He was a nice guy. So that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll be at raw tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. We, we discussed when we learned that raw was in Cleveland a couple weeks ago, the, the wife messaged me and was like, we gotta go. We don't know if this will be the last time we see CM Punk before he does something stupid and very fair. He's playing nice right now. I think it'll last a little while. Um, but yeah, very fair. Good show tonight. We got, we got yeah. punk making his decision that doesn't ultimately matter because he'll just appear on whatever brand they want him to appear on uh, whenever they need him to appear on that brand. Cody and Shinsuke, which is, Our which one. I'm really looking forward to. Yep. Now Shinsuke should win clean. And then wow. what? Jay, Jay got the yeet back. Jay, Jay's got the yeet back. Very, very excited for Jay. Yep. The uh, yeet is no longer fleeting. Yeah. Jay and, and uh, Jay and Drew, I'm I'm doing this, doing this all night, and then I'm also gonna do it at Raw. Uh <laughs> I hate you. Jay, and then we got uh Becky. Becky's gonna be there. Uh what she else wants is on to there? Call out Nia Jax. Yeah. Will she call out Nia Jax or will she just, you know, not swerve, you know? Oh, she should she should fist fight Nia Jax. I just want to see agree. some fist fights. That's what I want. All about fisting tonight. Throwing hands. With Everybody's them. fisting on Monday Night Raw. And then Maxine yeah. Dupree takes on Rhea Ripley in non-title action. Hell yeah. Okay. I need to know where where does this go? Because like you've got a, a North American title-less Dominic Mysterio. You've got an upset judgment day because they lost to the Creeds the other. No, they didn't lose to. They, they didn't take the Creeds seriously. And now they got the tag title match a lot. We just have a judgment day that's very confused. And then we have the uh the alpha team the uh the alpha academy how does this all work tonight because i'm very intrigued by this weirdness i think maxine wins tonight yeah yeah that would be weird i think i think there's some shenanigans and Rhea gets like thrown off our truth gets involved and maxine like wins and that's how Rhea takes her because it's non-title so that's how Rhea can take an L and then get she'll get the win back. I assume at Rumble or wherever. Uh, Monday Night Raw, January first, San Diego, California. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, she gets the win back then. I'm. I would not be shocked if if uh, if Maxine 
wins tonight though i really wouldn't i also would be shocked if Rhea wins in like five seconds and is like yeah your alpha academy training sucks they should have tozawa come out do the dance oh that's nasty and then the roll up and that's the victory for maxine go big big toot on Rhea ripley (laughs) big toots yeah that's what he does he farts right in that whole thing i don't think that's what he does is it not I don't think that's what he does. Listen, I that if, you're was... sitting, if you're sitting close enough because you're a big WWE shill and you famously hate AEW, then you will go and you'll be able to smell it because you'll be sitting front row in your your Brock Lesnar t-shirt. I do, have and your and your half face painted clown uh, attire. I do have a Brock Lesnar t-shirt. Why am I half face painting my clown? I think I'm, I'm bringing up a... everybody who would normally be sitting front row at a WWE event that we've seen. Oh. You should wear a green T-shirt as well with a smiley face on it. Though he goes to AEW stuff as well. Oh, I don't know any of these people. I don't get it. We interviewed one of them. <laughs> he was in full clown makeup, though. Was he? I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> Shout out to Frank the Clown. Good He's, guy, Frank the Clown. He is a good dude. I did like him. That was a good interview we had with him too. Yeah. Go check it out in the archives. As, as Conrad Thompson used to say on his podcast, go check it out. Used in the to say. Does he still do? I don't listen to Conrad Thompson. I do. I don't know. I thought you were like retiring Conrad Thompson from podcasting. That would be fantastic. Can I take over for Conrad? Mm. Joel Rad Thompson doesn't work. Mm. Joel Rad Pearlson? No, none of this. No. Conjol Pearlson? <laughs> Tom Pearl? No, stop it. What podcast would you want to do? Who would you want to interview in the on the Conrad Thompson network? Like, Every single week. You got to do a podcast with this person every week, Joel. Can I pick <laughs> nobody? <laughs> <laughs> no, you want to take over for Conrad. Who what do you want to do? What, the no, what, the if I don't wanna, what if I don't want to take over for Conrad? What if I want to, in, what if I want Conrad every week? I want the ins and outs of the Conrad empire. I want to ask him about all of the interactions and all of the arguments and all of the, the, when he started and he and, and Bruce would just, just, go at each other and you would hear conrad just screaming and then eventually he stopped because he either figured out it was a bit or his doctor intervened and said watch your blood pressure i don't i i want to know those questions i want to sit down with connie have a big long chat about that i think we could get conrad on this show could we yeah i feel like we could let's talk to john alba That's not who we would go through to get Conrad on this show. You're right. I was in the wrong, sorry, I went the wrong direction on that one. My bad. My bad. I went the wrong direction on that. Uh, let's get out of here before I stick my foot down my throat. Yeah. Uh, watch Raw tonight if you want. I don't really care. I'll I'll be watching Raw live from the Rocket Mortgage Arena or Fieldhouse. Fieldhouse. Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland, Ohio. I will be there at Raw. I'm looking forward to it. It's a it's a good show. It's uh got people that I I want to see. Um, it's it's a it's a date night with the wife, which is always fun. So yes, I'm I'm looking forward to Raw tonight. Me That's too. all I got to plug. I don't know. Oh, okay. Fight overbooked. Watch our interviews. Listen to our interviews. I had to transcribe a bunch of. I was so far behind on our interviews. So far behind. I still am. But uh, 
I, sometimes I think we do okay work on this show, Joel. Just we sometimes. Do. What do we do? We'll have we'll have a guest on Wednesday and Friday. We're gonna get those. But today's show was there was enough going on that we. Uh, Joel's we making a lot of promises that I don't know if he can keep. I'm good at those. I just make promises that I can't keep. It's fine. Y'all don't remember by Wednesday anyway, and it's okay. Uh, on the channel, I dropped an interview with Nicole Matthews where we sat on the floor and talked about wrestling. Uh, it's a fun little thing. It's not really an interview as much as it is just a quick conversation from back in June. So go check that out. It's doing pretty good numbers. And uh, just subscribe to the channel. Hit that thumbs up on the way out and tell all your friends about In the Weeds because if you haven't yet, I don't know what you're thinking because this is the show. The fireworks and everything. This looks weird. Look, uh, my head yeah. is like floating. Yeah, that's the way it should be. And watch the video while you're at it, okay? Let's do um i don't know if raw tonight is a double taping jeremy will let us know i think it's just smackdown as of right now anyway let's get out of here i am at Joel pearl j-o-e-l-p-e-r-l ladies and gentlemen friends beyond the binary we will see you on wednesday cheers <laughs>